Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Rogue One, a Star Wars story, starring Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Ben Mendelsohn, Donnie Yen, Mads Mikkelsen, and Forrest Whitaker. Story by John Knoll and Gary Whitta. Screenplay by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy. And directed by Gareth Edwards. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. Hey, we're in a galaxy far, far away again. It's been a while. Mm. Uh, not since uh, we tackled the original trilogy and the oft-maligned The Rise of Skywalker. We haven't had a chance to talk about this very storied saga franchise, so... Much like last week, which I had, or two weeks ago, or I had a blast talking about the X-Men and yeah. all things X and comics and movies and castings and characters. It's going to be fun to spend the next, you know, probably two hours talking about some Star Wars stuff and what's happened since we did those episodes. All the Disney Plus stuff, where it's at right now. I mean, I think we're going to have a ton to talk about. Yeah. That's not just the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that happens every week. <laughs> I think so, too. Sometimes we get a little tangential on this. I, would, I want to start with one little tangential thing because um, weeks ago I had done a, a little bit of digging into the before the Rise of Skywalker. It was episode nine, Duel of the Fates, with Colin Trevorrow, the Jurassic World guy, before he, I think, left or was maybe fired. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a completely different movie than what Rise of Skywalker became. Uh, but I thought you'd appreciate this or either sh- or chagrin, but there's a line of expedition towards the end of the film when the climactic battle, which takes place on Coruscant, uh, the First Order's lost and General Hux is, you know, goes up to his, like, office and commits suicide with Mace Windu's lightsaber. Ooh. Like, just, like, like to the chest. Awesome. But the line of expedition is like General Hux realized he had lost the Star Wars. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been said anywhere, but mm-hmm. that's kind of funny, right? That is kind that's, of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's I kind of like that. Yeah. that's It's an interesting read. It's quite a different movie. Um, Did you read the whole script? Uh, I kind of, it was just almost, it was like, it was like a summation of all like the, the highlights. Mm. It's essentially this kind of like quest for this like Jedi artifact between Kylo Ren and Rey. Um, and spoiler alert, they they, they kind of kill her off at the end of that story. Awesome. Uh, but she kind of comes back as like this force spirit <laughs> at the end. <laughs> but it takes a lot of different twists and turns. It kind of sounds like a bit of, it, it's less fan service than what Rise of Skywalker became. She wasn't a Palpatine in, in that story. Mm. Her family was just drunk traders, and she was kind of a nothing. It's kind of what we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's interesting if you know if any listeners or if you want to dive into what could have been, make the judgment for yourself if it would have been better than what we got, which was still, in my opinion, I think the worst Star Wars movie. That's your least favorite out of all all nine, ten, ten films. Yeah, eleven films, isn't it? Yeah, that's your le- really. It's just a mess. It's just a. It's just a course correction, no direction mess. I still haven't gone back to it since we did that episode. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. It's flawed. Yeah. And I, off the top of my head, can't remember what I gave it. I can't believe it would be anything better than like a call minus. But um, yeah. 
Wow. Because mm-hmm. I sort of thought The Force Awakens was sort of terrible too. And I, this, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because, and that's not to say that what I'm going to say today is this film is terrible, but mm-hmm. that movie suffers, I think, from the Michael Jackson effect. And I got a whole thing I want to break down to <laughs> on that. But um, I guess that's a rather shocking statement. Yeah. Phantom Menace. No. I've, the prequels have their issues, right? They're, oh, yeah. and, you know, I have a I have a prequel plan for us one of these days okay. to cover those, and it would be a lot of fun. And I think that's the the point, right? I've really kind of come around to some of the prequel, not fully. Everyone, don't freak out. Yeah, but there's some stuff in there that I'm I'm pretty okay with, and it still feels more Star Wars to me than a lot of this Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. It feels more kind of rooted in Lucas lore, which is problematic at times. Metaclorians and all that garbage. Yeah, but there's some stuff in there that's pretty okay for me um and just kind of uh watching a few of them here and there and i'm like i don't hate this and you know what at the end of the day i don't even know if i really truly hated it like a lot of the the prequel naysayers you know i grew up with those so there's a certain bit of nostalgia with one two and three for me yeah um and you have a, probably a different perspective of that too the anticipation and the kind of oh, yeah. the disappointment right but before we get to dive into mm-hmm. all things Star Wars, uh, some more of the tin cup, the the straight rye whiskey. It's been a pretty good one here. Mm-hmm. As I've been describing to people, very smooth for a rye, I think. So I have a funny story for you. Okay. Um, we did some liquor shopping before Thanksgiving. Okay. We bought like a chocolate liqueur and like a vanilla cinnamon liqueur at uh, Total Wine. Mm-hmm. And we bought a spiked eggnog. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law loves eggnog, okay. but not always the most astute when it comes to reading the labels. Okay, So <laughs> I watch him get the eggnog out and oh, he's going to pour himself a glass. And usually when you pour yourself a glass of eggnog, cause it's eggnog, if yeah. you even can stomach eggnog, cause yeah. I know a lot of people don't like it. Do you like? Uh, in small amounts. I could do a, a third a couple, of a rocks glass. A couple of glasses. Not in one sitting, but in a holiday season. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, all right. So we're similar. Okay. You know, you sit down, you pour yourself half to a third of a rocks glass with a couple ice cubes in there, and you nurse it for the evening. Mm-hmm. I watch him get out like a 16 ounce mm. and doesn't realize that this is... 48% alcohol content. <laughs> Man, that poor guy. Oh, no. Drank the whole thing. Oh, no. It was really quiet. Oh, was, man. It just... Instant buzzed, right? And lights out. Oh, man. Next time, like, be careful with that eggnog because it's loaded. You got to be careful you know, with some of those, like, you know, tricky liqueurs that are just like, yeah, it's just, maybe it's either a mixer or it's not, right? Right. right. Uh, one thing that they make now, I don't know if you're a big fan of these, but I, I love Arizona uh, iced teas, like mm-hmm. green tea and lemon. They yeah. make spiked Arizona iced tea now. Oh. Uh, hmm. And tried that over the, the last weekend. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. I, I, I'm not big on like the spike seltzers or a lot of like the the twisted teas, but this tasted kind of like Arizona tea, with, but with like a little kind of punch of alcohol in there. All right. Well, hey, we got a lot to talk about all things drink Star Wars uh, nerddom here. But hey, let's dive right into our flight question. All 
right. One thing that Star Wars isn't, I guess, maybe not necessarily particularly known for or lauded for, but is its acting performances. But, you know, with nine films, five, six television series now, cartoons, uh, there's been some pretty good work in this in this franchise from the acting department. So my flight question this week is top three best performances in the Star Wars pantheon. Number three for me, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi. How could it not be? I think that's the most Jedi of all the Jedi. Yeah. The most sage, wise, understanding the role of honor or the force mm-hmm. portrayed on the screen by any, and it's for me, Alec Guinness. It's a pretty good get for them, right? Yeah. In 77, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have essentially a spec idea that no one wanted. It's expensive as hell. Yeah. You don't even know how you're going to do the effects. All You have all these unknowns or people hidden behind masks. You kind of need a face and a name in there. And even in 77, he's probably pushing it a little bit in terms of like cultural significance. But talk about a get. And just like you're right, laying the found foundation for what the Jedi represent and what they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good choice. Thanks. One of my favorite Alec Guinness stories was from Return of the Jedi. Uh, he agreed to return for, you know, when Luke goes back to Dagobah and Yoda dies and him and Obi-Wan have a little conversation that he only agreed to come back to do it because they allowed him to sit down on that log. That's awesome. <laughs> but he was like 84 by then. You know, I'm yeah. not, I get it. Enough's enough. I get it. Yeah. Three for you. Number three for me, uh, Adam Driver from uh, The Force Awakens. Uh He's definitely the highlight for me of the sequel trilogy. Not only, I think we've noticed in the last few years just kind of what a talent he is in the in the acting world, but I think he understood that character. And there, we finally kind of unraveled the villain that wasn't just pure evil, but had a little bit of pathos to him. He was really kind of even better than Anakin, I think, uh, with the foot between the light and the dark, right? And I really like that scene between him and Harrison Ford where he kind of does him in with the lightsaber, kind of a last-ditch effort, but it's villainous, but there's there's some sadness between that whole character, and I attribute 100% of that to his acting ability. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, the frustration and the sadness that uh, he's trying to struggle with, and as much as you see Vader wrestle with it later, 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 later mm-hmm. on in, in uh, Empire, it's pretty prevalent in him from the word go. Yeah, good, nice choice, Adam Driver. Thank you. He's a big favorite of yours, though. Is he top five in your all working actors of the current? Day? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, he brings a lot of interesting. He can do comedy, drama. Mm-hmm. I think action, so he can really tap all all genres. Do you see that one that he did where he gets sent back in time to the? Um, oh, the dinosaurs. We saw it. It was good. No, I haven't. You should check it out. I think it's on Netflix. I will. It's worth your time. Okay. Two for me, Ewan McGregor. Uh, same character. Maybe I just like Ben. A particular movie of the... Um, yeah, probably... You picking the show? <laughs> Although, yeah, and I didn't really love that show because I think that the young Leia showing up is... Go all the way back to my argument for Disney on Thor Love and Thunder, and when we don't know what to do, we just default to young, especially young girls. Yeah. Um, I think he gets it. And I see a natural progression from where Ewan has it to where Alec finishes it. Mm-hmm. I buy it. Uh, I think the casting is so far as the physical attributes look similar. 
Uh, and I like Ewan McGregor, so that helps a lot too. So there you go. Guess I go with the same character for both of them. He's also my number two. Oh, wow. uh, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, he, I think he was good in the show. And I think the reason I was like okay with them doing a show was Maybe attack the clones for me. Honestly, yeah, I was like, if you can get him back, that that's a win. I'm gonna go Revenge of the Sith, the uh, the third entry. They have to say some of the worst written dialogue oh. of all time in the prequel films, but. He's able to turn that into Alex, Alec Guinness light mm. and really turn on the thespian that's like deep, deeply rooted inside him. And that scene, I know it's like Hayden Christensen's kind of been given. I like that he's kind of been given like an opportunity to redeem like mm-hmm. that kind of whiny portrayal of Anakin in Ahsoka and even Obi-Wan. Yeah. And I think do a pretty good job. That scene where Obi-Wan's yelling, I mean, you, you were the chosen one. You were my brother. I loved you. And you kind of threw it all away it's pretty powerful stuff there yeah. uh no i think he he definitely the best performer of the of the prequels for sure yeah i know she didn't make either one of our lists but you just threw something out there that i want to just tackle from it before i do one and you do one because i bet we have the same one um what about portman as padme or queen amadala where it's that's a, a talented actress, right? Oh, yeah. like, do we agree that that's a talented actress? Oh, for sure. But you know, to say that that's, of, he's he's the best in the prequels, I'm curious about where she is in that for you. No, no, no. She's. I think she's pretty. When we do the prequel, you can find out like how terrible I think she is. But it's, oh, well, it's okay. not. It's not her fault. It's the dialogue is so wooden, and the Queen Amidala and I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. I mean, there's nothing there. Yeah. Like I, I don't care. If it's Meryl Streep or who who's in that role, they're not bringing anything to that 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 character. Yeah. The characters are so one dimensional; they they have nothing to work with other than I think Lucas knew Obi Wan because that was already a beloved character. I mean, he had to make those these new characters something, and I think they kind of fail in that regard. Right. But it's not her fault. I I would not place any blame at her feet other than okay. How can you sell it? Bad Anna, casting. Anna, can you Breaking my heart. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, all right. That's fair. Number one. If the let's play devil's advocate for a second. Right. If Lucas had gone the route he went with the original trilogy, which is you yeah, direct all three, I don't care. But hire Lawrence Kasdan and some other writers to polish up the dialogue and the screenplays instead of you taking that all on yourself, buddy. Right. It might have been a little bit better in that department. It still would have been plasticky and CGI as hell because that's that was Lucas's discovery of why he did it in the first place. But I think it could have been a little bit better. They could have really rounded out some of those just awkward edges. Yeah. Okay. Number ones. Harrison Ford. Han Solo. Which one? Original. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, New Hope. Yeah. That's it. It's the best. Swashbuckling. Um, you know, some people argue that he's playing indie again through Han Solo, fine. Uh, it's hard to do much more iconic than those two guys, maybe in the same yeah. uh, actor portrayal, just in two different films. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I totally buy it. The Merc for Hire that is on the run with his own set of demons chasing him. Um, obviously, the love bit with Leia works. It's comedic. It's serious. He's a badass. Uh, his Plane sucks half the time, kind of like he does half the time. But when push comes to shove, it always seems to work. Yeah, yeah that's it for me. It's it's Han Solo. 
It's a great choice. Thanks. No, uh, no, a Mark Hamill consideration. Just missed on this. Okay. Just missed. Uh, That's no, he didn't just miss. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of the Han Solo character, and a lot of this is you know Harrison Ford being pretty good with comedy. I think uh, on top of the action, anytime that's like Chewbacca's trying to fix one thing, but he's like. He's like, no, 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 this one goes there, that one goes there. Why did you pull this out? I'm trying to get us out of here, and you pull both these. Just how frustrated he is with his friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his, uh, just the, the mechanical prowess that he has. I think there's a lot of really good banter, them just running around the ship trying to fix it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Yeah. Great choice. Scruffy nerf herder. Yeah. My number one, uh, I'm going to go Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine from Return of the Jedi. Uh, talk about the buildup first to get to that character, right? I don't even think he's mentioned mm, once in New Hope. And then we see the hologram of him in part two. We're like, when are we going to see this guy? And we finally see him. And, dude, he's this shriveled, disgusting demon thing, husk, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A husk of his former self, literally. <laughs> yeah. But, man, that guy just lives and breathes evil. And I can appreciate that. And that voice of, like, mm-hmm. so be it. Jedi like there's there's something so good about just how he just he oozes that and you see it on screen not only through the makeup but through that performance and the voice and the force lightning and how hideous he looks yeah if that's supposed to be the supreme big bad I think they slammed up yeah Return the Jedi has its issues for sure but not him not that yeah and I've always thought that was always a really and he's really good in the prequels too Mm -hmm. playing kind of like a a more stendral version of that of like, oh, I'm a chancellor. Oh, I'm a senator. Oh, man, I'm emperor now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's mine. But, you know, it's hard to get. You know, I think Carrie Fisher's pretty good in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Liam Neeson's pretty good in The Phantom Menace, but that's another pretty wooden character as well. Yeah. Uh, Peter Mayhew. I give him a lot of props for being in that suit and yeah. the physicality of all of that. Yeah. And, you know. James Earl Jones. Anthony Daniels and uh, Kenny Baker having to just wear all the all those prosthetics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that might be about it. Yeah, it's it, it's not loaded with fantastic performances. I think there's far more that are worse than there are excellent. But this one's going to sound weird, but I think Pedro Pascal's voice work as the Mandalorian's really good. I mean, the character. I mean, how are you going to judge the body language of? Uh, just a bounty hunter, right? But like something about his voice kind of feels really right. It's 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 stuck between a line between like Boba Boba Fett and and the clones, right? The Django Fett. So that that kind of works for me too. Who knew Vicky Cristina Barcelona were going to be such role huge roles and yeah, Star Wars, all things Star Wars. Saga. There you go. Yeah, excellent. Well, to your list, to your list. Hey, we got a ton to talk about. Let's dive right into our review breakdown of Rogue One. What does this have to do with my father? There's an Imperial defector in Jeddah, a pilot. He's been held by Sogarera. He's claiming the Emperor is creating a weapon with the power to destroy entire planets. The pilot says he was sent by your father. We need to stop this weapon before it is finished. Captain Andor's mission is to authenticate the pilot's story and then, if possible, find your father. It appears he is critical to the development of this super weapon. Given the gravity of the situation and your history with Saul, we're hoping that he will help us locate your father and return him to the Senate for testimony. 
And if I do it, we'll make sure you go free. <laughs> okay. Let's start right there. <laughs> Hang on a second. There's like five scenes that happen before that takes place. I, I, yeah, all right, go ahead. Yeah. Let's start Kick at the us off. Let's start at the beginning. I'm just curious. This is just more aesthetic uh, and less story, but Star Wars, long time going, galaxy far, far away. No title crawl. We just get right into it. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, is it is it weird? I think it was maybe a little weird for me seeing it for the first time, but um, I think it was nice that it didn't tie it into sequential episodes of the story that, if done properly, Disney could take individual stories and kind of place them in between the timeline, right? Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's different. I was like, we've only ever we've seen it only one other time with Solo, a Star Wars story. So right, we, it's different. But here's the thing: I guess that maybe makes it make a little bit of sense. We are in the crawl. Mm-hmm. If you go to the crawl in A New Hope, we are in the crawl. <clears throat> yeah, so the plans that have been stolen. Yeah, uh, maybe that's all the backstory we need. Mm-hmm. Look, obviously, prequels, as we've talked about a lot of times, present some challenges. Mm-hmm. And taking something that leads to, let's just take New Hope, the destruction of a planet killer yeah. through one of the greatest car chases of all time, yeah. even though it's a plane chase, it's a car chase, yeah. through the trench. Mm-hmm. It's really tough in your movie to make that a bigger deal than the destruction of the thing that the deal is about. Yeah. So you already are backed into a corner. I don't know if, I mean, I expect the 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 scroll to, you know, give us the backstory on Star Wars a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the conundrum that I have, I think, with this film. And it's, you have created such a Citizen Kane-like impossible world to follow up. Yeah. That you have to be very careful about when you want to call back to things that have worked and when you'd like to forge a new path going forward so that you're not pigeonholed into only being able to rely on callbacks. And that is the biggest complaint I have against this film. Okay. I like that it's not there. We know it's a Star Wars film. The music lets you know. And they do, I mean, I, I guess with the way the film starts out, because we see um, Galen Urso, mm-hmm and young Jen or so deal with his very astute ability to design weapons, engineer weapons. We kind of start off even in a prequel to the prequel, if you're really being honest about it. How far back do we go? A cold open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we go to like Galen meeting his wife? Yeah. And then we don't consummating to, Jen? We don't, need, we don't need to go back that You know what I'm far. saying? So that's yeah. um, a really long answer. And it's, it's, I think, just loading... I think some interesting things that we're going to have some fun talking about today. Yeah. I, you asked me, was I okay with it? <laughs> terrible. Answer. I don't know. Okay. I, honestly, I don't know <laughs> all that for, I don't know. That's I think they terrible do. podcasting. I think, they, I think they do an okay job of, uh, yeah, there's the callbacks that are coming later. I even have an audio of a callback. I'm curious of what your opinion is on it to begin with, but you know, no, no opening scrawl, which is so universally star Wars to, I mean, that's how audiences first learned star Wars was, Boom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no wipes. The transitions are all kind of just cuts. Yeah. 
So it, it at the they're trying. Oh, yeah, to, you're right. I didn't step. You're right. There aren't any. Way. They're trying not to make it feel like a traditional Star Wars film, which I can also appreciate. So I think they do a good enough job of stylistically trying to make it not be like one of the other ones. Um, and the first one's just kind of a cold open. I mean, in Star Wars, we, we're just kind of there, right? There's mm-hmm. not like a cold open to like get us going. We're in the thrust of the story. So yeah, you're right. We get this kind of opening scene with Galen Erso, Mads Mikkelsen, one of my faves. I think he might be in the list with uh, mm-hmm. Adam Driver there, right? Mm-hmm, sure. We got yeah, Michael, you do like we got, him. We got Michael Fassbender in there. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll round out the other two by episode's end, okay? Okay. <laughs> it's a good list, Jesse. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, he's like he's like the galaxy's Oppenheimer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's this guy that can build. Maybe that's with, your number four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Killian Murphy. Uh, weapons of, you know, mass destruction. I kind of like that... I, I don't know if I need the Galen or so origin story of how did he figure out how to do this? Why is he yeah. so good at it? I kind of like that we get in and Krennic, Ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. always great at playing these villain characters, kind of comes in just like, you got to come or I'm going to wipe out your your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do wipe out. They wipe out mom and Jin's able to kind of abscond away um, so she's not abducted as well. And that's the, that's the last we see of him uh, until kind of the the midpoint of the film. Um, he has no choice, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I'll save, you know, my, my child's life. I'll go make your, your weapon on, on my terms. Uh, you'll find out later. He's kind of installed a fail safe on the death star, which will, you know, allow it to be, uh, you know, destructed, you know, if, if you're able to, to formulate the right attack, but, I guess I'm pretty okay with this with, with with this opening. Let's talk about Rogue One just kind of in in, in general uh, from the actual story perspective. Was this a story you even wanted to see in the first place? I mean, with Solo, the Kessel Run, right? I mean, we had heard the tales of what that was, and then we got to see it, and we're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But here, I think you know, it's essentially just a line of text in the opening scrawl. Yeah, I think there's a good deal of mystery on. How did we? Get, how did they get there? This movie is almost kind of like the Dunkirk of World War II, right? Yeah, it's the turning pivot point of, you know, turning the tides against this formidable opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's a great place to start. I, I don't know that I ever wanted that story. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I ever wanted the Kessel Run story either, and I don't mean that negatively with what Solo was. I mean that negatively. <laughs> no, it came out like trash. <laughs> but there's enough just nomenclature in the previous films or through nine films to where I think you have some nuggets that make for interesting prequel stories. Mm -hmm. And certainly looking back at it, why not do this one? Mm -hmm. The stealing of the plans of a star killer is so loaded and initially really had me fired up because you know what it took me to, it took me to that team element that was the team that is the strategist, the munitions expert for lack of time and better explanation an Ocean's Eleven sort of approach to who you assemble so that you can pull this off. Yeah, it's kind of a heist film, yeah. But this isn't. Mm -hmm. Essentially, this isn't. Yeah. And that's hugely troubling. Okay. If you're going to steal the plans from the Death Star, I would believe that the Empire would keep those under lock and key Mm -hmm. to the point where maybe only one person ever even knew it, and maybe it's not even a digital image. Yeah. Maybe it's literally in Galen Erso's mind. Yeah. And that's it. Because what better way to keep it safe until you run in 
And boy, I've got a lot in this. The Saul Guerra character and that bullshit with Forrest Whitaker. That fucking nonsense. Yeah. And his mind-wiping octopus thing. <laughs> um, whatever. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's cool. How do you steal the plans? Mm-hmm. Because that's a story. And then the second story is carrying the plan out yeah. so that you can destroy this thing before it destroys you with literally the most the highest of consequence. Mm-hmm. I like all that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, yeah, you're right. And I think I'm most curious about this era because Revenge of the Sith ends and then New Hope begins and what well, Luke is what, what how, 21, 18? How old is he? So there's like an 18 year gap uh, between three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been curious about, well, what what's happened in between there? Is everyone just running for their lives? I mean, Obi-Wan shared a little of what was going on there. But this is going to lead us right into into that. So this is like the the last story to be told before four begins. I'm on board too. I think I think there's a a great tale. Like yeah, a heist film of of sorts. I mean, we don't have to wear disguises, even though they kind of wear disguises in this movie. So it is heisty in that way. Um, but uh, it's interesting, you know, the the the, the characters that they kind of gather to to kind of be a part of the of the heist. Yeah, I'm with you. The Saul Sa Sa Guerrera. Yeah, I, he doesn't even need to be in this movie, right? He's essentially who raised Jyn Erso, right? I guess he's Galen's friend, mm-hmm. some sort of extremist <laughs> rebel guy, right? I, I've got a whole thing on that. Yeah. Do you want to do that now or you want to wait? You're in the middle of a thought. Um, yeah, we'll get back to him. Yeah, he was, you know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of uh, for Mad Max. Uh, oh, yeah. Immortan Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and his yeah his decoy octopus. So yeah, I'm okay with how 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 we're, how we're getting going here, and um, you know we're, we're we're introducing the players growing up. Jin Erso, Cassie, and Andor. Um, what's what's this guy? What's uh, Riz Ahmed's name? Uh, um, Bodhi. Bodhi. Yeah, uh, and then we're gonna meet. We'll meet the other one. One of them's a robot. Uh, <laughs> Sassy and, robot. Yeah. You should grin there. Why do you, do you not like the sassy no, robot? It's, no, it's 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 cheap, bad, like it's it's poorly written, bad, stupid dialogue. I get if you have, are an imperial droid mm-hmm. that's been repurposed to fight for the rebellion. How there might be some moments where maybe you raise an eyebrow on exactly where the loyalties lie. Yeah, but does it exist in smart ass dialogue that's like cheap Han Solo? I'm ready to flee this thing, and I'm not putting my skin on the line. I, I no, I, I'm glad he got shot. I, just, <laughs> I wish it had happened sooner. <laughs> And I, I think he looks really like a little too largely round to be functional. He's an interesting Imperial droid. I, this must be a new design sp- yeah. specifically for this film because I've never seen him before. Um, so do you, do you want your do you want your droids a, a little bit more on the non-talking side? Are you yeah. a little bit more on the BB-8 R2 side? Maybe, but it speaks to, again, the Citizen Kane effect. Mm-hmm. R2 and C-3PO were so successful. Yeah. That you have struggled in BB-8 is an absolute disaster. That is the, that's that character sucks. Talk about a waste. But they've struggled to find a place to make droids other than the healing droid that fixes Luke after he gets rescued from Bespin mm. um, in the Empire. Yeah. Matter. Yeah. C-3PO, for all of his annoyance and his we have a nine percent and like his crybaby bitching, is iconically done, and R2D2 in his own way 
is sort of rebelliously smartass. I'll be real though with C-3PO. By the time we get to Jedi, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm too. <laughs> I, right. I, again, and this is not a space that's my particularly favorite space, as you know. Yeah. I don't like the droid looking for AI or some version of AI sentience. That's not my yeah. thing. But that, what's K220, KS20? KS20. KS20. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what that droid's purpose is. Yeah, he's he's essentially co-pilot, right? And I'm going to I think he's a bit of comic relief which in a film that's, you know, fairly grim, right? Yeah. Planet killer and freaking invader when she shows up and we're killing and then the way the film ends, I mean, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we need a little bit of levity. I think it's just enough where I don't need C3PO yucking it up i don't need bb8 bouncing off the walls like a beach ball right i think it's an okay balance uh for me uh it reminded me a lot there's a there's the robot in interstellar tars and i love that matt he has like a sarcasm setting and so matthew mcconaughey he's like set to like an 80 and matthew mcconaughey is like i want to bring that down to about 20 30 <laughs> percent because they're kind of telling similar jokes right it's just like you know, the percentage of if she's going to use the gun on us or not. I like it. Would you rather have like a, a different alien being? Would a Wookiee be better here or? Yeah, I think that's part of it too, right? Yeah. Do you have such a cool cast that you could choose from? Even that um, very briefly seen kind of sleeping squid thing. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like kind of a nin num sort of deal. I think that, okay, let, let me backtrack for a second. Okay. If you go back to New Hope, mm-hmm. when that came out, one of the big moments in that movie was the cantina scene because we got to see Hammerhead and Greedo and... Lex Severek, the Wolfman. Yeah, <laughs> all these really cool-looking foreign yeah. bodies that had come to the middle of armpit tattooing. Mm-hmm. To default to bipedal, preambulating, semi-human droid is just so mailed in. We've already done that with C-3PO, and it goes back to what I said. How do you choose what you want to call back to on what work? Because you have a formula here that 10 films have proved is successful. Whether they're all good or not, you're in your 10th film. I think this was number 10. That's nah, probably seven. This would eight. be this would be eight. Yeah. eight your eighth film. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a formula here that says we make money and these are successful. And it has to do with also then servicing the fans that have been so loyal to you for the better part of 20 years. Yeah. Do you then go, okay, Let's choose to use it at here, but not here. No scrawl, a C-3PO. And that is an impossible question to answer, and there's no right answer. Yeah. However, for me, this time through, yeah. I felt like bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe my vast indifference sort of going through this film about 40 minutes in. Um, they just kind of made the wrong choices for me on what they called back on. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. Maybe I'm, I'm diagnosing, I think, where you might be coming at here. Yeah. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine to this is 2016. So Force Awakens had come out the prior December. Mm-hmm. Cute, still the highest earning domestic film of all time. Mm. I think we were excited to see it. We wanted more new Star Wars. We wanted it to not be the prequels. And I, I it's neither. It's neither of those things. It's, you know, it's a lot of fan service for, uh, uh, it's essentially new hope again. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the film needed force awakens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With star beat for beat. Yeah. Star killer base. And I think we needed a little of that to kind of get us back in the good graces of Star Wars here. 
Then this comes out, and I think, you know, it's a pretty decent surprise, you know, for, oh, like, this could be a story that's not tied to the general Star Wars mythos, even, sure. though, even though it is, right? Right. Not the the episodic stuff. And then I think the next thing that came out was, oh, I'll have to check the, yeah, it was Last Jedi, and then we're like, ooh, whoa. But I like Last Jedi for the risks it takes, but, dude, everybody hated it. Uh, you and me are in agreement on that. Yeah, and then after that is when we got, Rise of Skywalker and was like, oh God, what a mess. And then after that, we got Mandalorian, which were like, not bad. But then after that, it's been Mandalorian season two. And I think the breaking point for you was, and we've talked about it a few times before, it was Mandalorian season two final episode when Luke Skywalker decides to show up out of freaking nowhere yeah, to just make this the Skywalker story again, again right? Yeah. And then we had the book of Boba Fett. Holy crap, what a, what a disaster. And then Obi-Wan and then... Uh, Andor. There was Andor and then Ahsoka. And it, we kind of haven't gotten on good footing again. That book of Boba Fett, man, is some hot trash. <laughs> yes. Kind of soured me on that character a little bit. But uh, he'll come back up uh, a little bit later. But For me too. Uh, has Star Wars, I mean, and then, and then okay, and then now you're coming back to this review of this film that I think you were pretty positive on when it initially came out. Uh, but now kind of seeing some of the things that Disney's notorious with doing with this franchise, which is, I think you hit it, a lot of fan service. Are you a little underwhelmed by Star Wars at this point? Do you know, yes. 2016, was that four, seven, eight years removed? Underwhelmed and oversaturated. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say this, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people that listen religiously to the show, and I do not mm-hmm. mean to make any of you upset on this Thanksgiving weekend. But I am thankful yeah. that there's no movies coming in the immediate future because I am I am done. Mm-hmm. I literally after this last night, and I think everybody can kind of see where I'm going. Look, I'm not going to rock gut this film, everybody. Yeah. But it's 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 yeah. I won't let you do that. <laughs> it's um. I'm just I'm just done. I'm I'm done. I for someone that grew up with it and had the the action figures and played with it and loved it and couldn't wait. And had conversations on the playground for the better part of a year and a half on if Vader was Luke's father. And I could go on and on and on about how important this was in my fabric of film knowledge in pop culture history. I cannot run fast enough away from this. I did do Ahsoka. Yeah. And I will say. (sighs) It has its moments. And I really did like Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon. My, mm-hmm. Me and my daughter used to watch that when she was little. And I really, truly... And I didn't even finish the final two seasons like when Darth Maul shows up. And that, that show gets fucking awesome from what I heard. And mm-hmm. I didn't even finish it. Yeah. So it's just... Man, Jesse, I don't know how to say this. And, I, I, you know, we talked about this off mic. I guess I'll bring it up now. Mm-hmm. I had a long film viewing day yesterday. We did Napoleon. And I'm just letting everybody know. I couldn't stay awake. And I, I love Napoleon. <laughs> But if you want the real story of Napoleon, don't go watch that film. Go watch A&E and the biography. It's it's better and it's done in an hour. <laughs> and um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was pretty brutal in that role. I thought that the choices that they made were not good. So that's all has nothing to do with this film other than by the time I finished with that movie yesterday, I was pretty filmed out. Yeah. And I thought, all right, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch Blasters and Space Battles and something totally different that's yeah. not this weird character piece that presents a bunch of totally uninteresting characters that Napoleon was for me. And by the time this film was done, here's the old line that we haven't said anything that I haven't said in a while. If it wasn't for the film, I would have shut this movie off and walked out. I was done. Like I, I, all that blah, 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 right. Word salad, lip service, Matt bullshit, brother. 
think I'm done. Yeah. Like, done, like even more Marvel done than I'm done done. You're done. More, done. more done Star Wars than Marvel's done. nipping at its heels, right? Done. <laughs> and I'm not seeing the Marvels. Yeah. But, uh, which also speaks to being pretty underwhelmed and oversaturated. Mm-hmm. I'm so frustrated yeah. with what could be a really simple story and they continually miss the mark mm-hmm. in Star Wars. This is a simple, engaging, great story that never got to where it should want to get to. And a lot of it has to do with that Saw Guerrero, whatever the hell his name is, yep. character. We'll get to him in a second. I think, this is going to be a long episode. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think he hit the nail on the head there when you mentioned, you know, growing up, what it was like. There was substantial gaps between those. There was three-year gaps between the movies coming out, right? Yeah. Where you had to wait and anticipate and pontificate on what's going to happen next. Buy the toys. Oh, you can't get the toys until the next Christmas, right? Yeah. You'll get a toy voucher for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and then you had to wait 15 years for more of them to come out. And then after Revenge of the Sith, you had to wait another 15 years before another film would come out. So I think there was like buildup and anticipation and I think genuine excitement. And the last seven, eight years of the Disney tenure, I think it's had some highs and I think it's had some lows, but I I think I'm with you too. It's star Wars doesn't feel special the way it used to anymore. And I think that's why I kind of maybe appreciated this viewing of rogue one a little bit more than your experience. I don't know. We could maybe bring, Ridley Scott a little bit for your viewing experience. Uh, just kind of grasping onto that, you know, not having to be tied to literally a Skywalker or a fucking Palpatine mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the force other yeah. than Vader showing up. And dude, Vader shows up in this film, dude, it's awesome. Yeah. I think Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of nice being in a world that was star Wars, but it didn't Chewbacca's not here, Star Wars, and C-3PO's there for like a second, right? In a total bullshit way that he shouldn't be in it at all. Yeah, it, 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 fan service, right? God. Just shove him in there so they that they know that they're around, right? I was kind of okay with it. It kind of felt right. And, I was, and you know what I really appreciated this viewing was, man, how many freaking desolate, disgusting planets have we been to in this universe? Dude, Scarif is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Barbados of the Star yeah. Wars universe. Like, I really... It, and it was... There's something really cool about, and we'll get there, the end battle where the classic X-Wings are fighting classic TIE fighters, and it's this, like, blue lit up planet. There's, like, a weird, interesting light-dark thing going on there. I kind of really like that a lot. Um, But, no, afterwards, when we get just so muddled with oversaturation of the shows and the stories that I guess I wanted, but then I see them, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't need that. I'm with you too. It just, and I think that's my definition at the end is Star Wars doesn't feel special the way that it did, even when the prequels were coming out. I guess one of the things that also really upsets me about this is the Star Wars leadership, Kathleen Kennedy, is offensive to me. Mm-hmm. Here's why her fan base is the most loyal fan base. In all of movie-going history. Maybe a little too loyal. (laughs) And I think what she didn't do is respect what that fan base would do for their offspring prior to seeing the film and instead chose to find new entry points for younger viewers with much less engaging material. What Gen Xer or and I'm including you in Gen X for this, even though you aren't including you in Gen X. What Gen Xer is not going to take their kid by the hand and say like, look, if you want to see Rogue One, Mm -hmm. 
we have to come to an understanding about why all of this other stuff matters and hold their hands through the experience because you know what that would be? Yeah. Awesome for me. Mm-hmm. And she didn't give me the credit yeah. and millions of other Star Warsites yeah. the credit to do that. Instead, she said, we've got to make this really, really entry point friendly for new viewers because I don't have the faith that my old viewers are going to toe the line and get them caught up on the stuff they need to get caught up. And that doesn't even mean that Rogue One shouldn't have been made. No, what needs to happen is you need to give me not reheated stuff that I've seen in seven pre previewed films mm-hmm. so that when my kid watches it, she can monetize the shit that I fell in love with on the first viewing, a.k.a smart alecky droid kind of c-3po even though it's done through etiquette it's sort of in a kind of a ks20 sort of reimagining mm-hmm. and instead of reheating gen x's awesome leftovers create a new meal the gen x will say let me teach you why this matters and talk them through it and that happens with every star wars fan yeah and it's why when I'm in class, when I talk to younger people and I talk to them, they routinely hate Star Wars. Yeah. They love Harry Potter because they grew up with it and it's germane and organic to where they started and it, it kept to what they knew of Harry Potter, which I think is now, honestly, the most loyal fan base out there. I really do. I think that, that of all of the long five-plus series, that's the most successful, including all of that Johnny Depp. With the book, Fantastic Beast. All that nonsense. <laughs> And it, I, I think it's sort of insulting that she couldn't grant me the credit or the grace to teach my kid what it meant. Because I'll tell you, mm-hmm. we tried to watch a couple Star Wars films with Ava a few weeks ago. Yeah. She was out. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, you have to watch this. Like, Dad, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. And so then it was like, well, we need to go back and start with A New Hope then. Because yeah. we jumped in and I forget what we started. We just popped a movie in. And then she was like, well, I don't understand why this episode, then we need to do Phantom Menace. And by the time we got down the rabbit hole, I was like, man, I'm getting so far away from what A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi was into this prequel trash that's going to dissuade her from wanting to watch what was good. And you have a real problem in that Star Wars, this is crazy, but I'm about to say it. Yeah. Star Wars might be, Yeah. hold on to something, everybody. Star Wars might be in popular fiction, Mm -hmm. the most overrated series that has ever been produced. Because I could argue there's about two and a half to three good films in all 11 of these. I think that's fair. It's just, I'm not going to... And I could be totally wrong, and you could tell me fuck off on... <laughs> and you, maybe people are throwing at stuff. I, I, They're swerving off the road. They might be. <laughs> there may be <laughs> pitchforks out front, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not thankful yeah. for saying that. No, yeah. But I, it's wildly not, not satisfactory for no, me. No, I think that's... Star Wars is a hot topic nowadays, right? Because I think it is such a big property, and my ill will towards Kathleen Kennedy is a little less of kind of your like, you know, lack of, there, there is some of that lack of respect of just trust me to like that. And we saw some of that with the last indie film, which should never even have been made. Um, it was more of lack of direction of, we kind of didn't know what we were going to do with these properties to begin with. And that's my one big gripe about like the, the, the Disney parks is I wish they would embrace the old trilogy a little bit more because it, it's all the new stuff, right? It's Mandalorian. It's the sequel stuff. Freaking, uh, but is it's, I, I think they go there in rise of Skywalker, right? Um, 
it's heavy, heavy on, you know, the Ray, the Kylo Ren, which, you know, some of that's pretty good. But, man, I'd love to see just a guy in a Han Solo vest walking around. Dude, I will never get that. I got to go get on Star Tours and hope that the the thing randomly mm-hmm. selects an original OG adventure for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so so that, that that's something that they're really trying to do that. So I do have a big question for you. Oh, two questions, actually. The first, have we seen everything that Star Wars is capable of presenting to us on the screen? Is there anything even new that they could even do with new material? I don't care if it's sent in the it's set in the old republic, in the post sequel universe that whatever that looks like. If they make that, is it even gonna? Is it just gonna be more of the same? Can they do anything new with this world? Film wise, it's shot. I think if you and want, we probably got to get a, a visionary director in here, right? I think you have to get more so than yes, a director for sure that's visionary. You have to get somebody. David Fincher's The Old Republic. <laughs> that knows how to tell a story. Yeah. You cannot just sort of mail in these B-minus stories and rest on your previous laurels of nostalgia. You have to bring in somebody that can take a standard basic story, which is here's this little group of samurai that are trying to wrestle control away from this oppressive Ronin, Hidden Fortress. Mm-hmm. And translate that into, you know, that'd make a great science fiction Western. Yeah. Should we just Star take, Wars. Should we just take another Akira Kurosawa story and just do Star Wars with that again? <laughs> well to the This is a little this movie's a little seven samurai y too. It is. Yeah. Not maybe not so much Akira Kurosawa that way, but I think you need to go back to a story like what about Macbeth? Yeah. What about Macbeth? Macbeth and Star Wars. Uh, you know, you know, Sorry. Classic literature. I'm 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 taking the whole mic up. I'm no, sorry. Cla- okay. We're an hour in. We haven't even got to the first. The second scene. Oh my god. <laughs> this may be one of those episodes. Um, yeah. If you can take a great story, Othello, Macbeth, and I'm not uh, some Shakespeare apologist in Star Wars, mm-hmm. but if you can take something like that and find a way that is well-rooted because the story has lasted for decades upon hundreds of years and turn that into some science fiction and stick to it. Yeah. Then you're not left with making crazy decisions. And like, this is an example. This is way down the film, but let me give you an example of what's a monumental problem with storytelling in this movie. After the plans for the Death Star have been stolen and we're going to email them back to the, Republic. Yeah. We have this fake crisis moment where Jen Urso has to realign the radar system, mm-hmm. essentially reset the, the modem. Yeah. She resets the modem. Okay. <laughs> and then it's blown the fuck to smithereens yeah. before she's able to send it. And then as this thing is laying in tatters on this catwalk, mm-hmm. blown to bits by a TIE fighter, yeah. she pulls the lever and it goes, how in the holy fuck <laughs> did someone not snap on that, Jesse? That a, a smidge of power that could send it back up there. The thing that you couldn't send initially because it wasn't lined up properly has now, like she's got to run out there, leave her cover, wide open, can get shot. She re- <laughs> resets it, realigns it. Okay, now it's at 90 degrees, it works. It gets blown to smithereens. 
Then she runs well, not, back not and, and ante- hits send again. Well, not, what? Not the antenna. It was the, it was that like walkway that had like another antenna array on it, but it wouldn't send initially because it wasn't lined up. So if yeah. it's not lined up, that means it's not functional. It's not lined up when it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's like that is bad, bad writing, bad, horrible writing. Let me come back to this sec. Uh, I now have two other questions to ask you. <laughs> we don't even have to talk too much about the beats of the film. There's like three or four things that I wanted to talk about. So maybe, because this might be a three hour long episode. And ca- I can't do three hours today on this. I will be so drunk. I'll, ca- <laughs> I'll catch us up here in a second. Yeah. One thing that I did notice in the viewing last night, mm-hmm. and I think it's a problem in, in the Star Wars universe, is just kind of how you know, we don't got to get crazy with it. We don't got to get eyes wide shutty with it, people. <laughs> oh, no. But man, Star Wars is just so sexless. Yep. And so dry, and there's no, like, other than yeah. Han and Leia. Oh, that's a really good point. Everyone is so fucking pious and just, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's no emotionality with, other than being buddies, which there's nothing wrong with that. So provincial. It could use a little heat, man. Oh, Some man. passion. To that. Amen. <laughs> but when you cast Jen Erso and you give the reins on that, to another, and I'm not even opposed to this, so before you all blow me up with whatever hate, like you choose to go another lead female protag, you are limiting what you can do by the nature of what Disney will allow its corporate structure to embrace. I don't even I have a problem with Jen or so, but no, you're I, I absolutely it's, right. It's the Disneyfying of effect, right? Yes. It doesn't not I, I, everybody I, has to be a princess. Yeah. Well, Sometimes Hercules and Tarzan are fucking awesome. Yeah. I like I like Felicity Jones and I think Diego Luna is a pretty good counterpart there. Like, why can't they have get together on the ship before it goes down, right? I'm mean, like, right. For all of the things that we've bagged on about DC. Yeah. In Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh, the, the moment that the we both agreed was maybe the best in the first Wonder Woman film yeah. was Steve and Diana finally taking care of what a couple should take care of. Yeah. And there was so much tension and awkwardness and beauty. And that, to me, is my favorite part of that whole film. Yeah. Because you know it what was, matters? Well, then it, when he dies, yeah, it makes them you care. It makes them real characters. <laughs> Sitting on a beach watching the skies illuminated with fire as the Death Star has just destroyed your city arm in arm doesn't matter because she's just your buddy. Yeah. And she's I just like, your I, buddy. I like the visual. I just wish there was more there between those. And I think the film this film in particular, we're going darker. It's a little more intense. It's not Star Wars proper. I think there's room to go there. Uh, because look at the Jedi, these p- priests, right? Mm-hmm. Sexless. Pious monks. Yeah, exactly. And then you have Anakin and Padme, and they went there a little bit, but then it's so poorly written that it doesn't come across on the screen. Oh, zero chemistry. The best example is Han and Leia because it was just so natural, and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are pretty good actors. Yeah. Then they try and shove it down our throats again with Ray Skywalker and or Ray Palpatine and Ben Solo at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Dude, it's just so terrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I mean, why in a galaxy far, far away are we just not getting together? Can we not find some love? I can't. Why not? <laughs> We're so stressed out by the the, the bells of the Empire. Yeah. Like, come on, people. I for whatever reason in yeah. Rogue One last night, I really know. I was like. Man, the galaxy far, far away is really is just a sexless galaxy. It's just like we don't touch people anymore. That's a really good point. And blame Disney, blame whoever. But okay, so then my final question to you. Uh oh. So we sell the Lucasfilm Star Wars idea in 
2014 or 13 to Disney for mm-hmm. 4 million. Lucas sells it for $4 million or a billion. Ni- oh, billion. Billion. Sorry. So 4 million is nickels. <laughs> 4 billion, which I think he gave all away to charity, which pff, to him. To you, man. Good yeah. job. Yep. Thank you, George. I got money coming in all my other channels. <laughs> Great. Was it a bit of a mistake to not keep him on board in some sort of creative consultant capacity because his writing questionable his understanding of the world and the universe unparalleled, right? Sure, right. What do you think? Yes. Because yes. we essentially hand that off to Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, John Dave, Favreau. Dave Filoni, John Favreau. Who have done a decent job saving some of it, but J.J. Yeah. Um, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy beat this thing to death. Yeah, that, that, there's been a lot of missteps there, so... Yes, yes, I it was a mistake. That, I think that's an unpopular opinion because, you know, Lucas's name was in the mud after the prequels, but again, in my prequel reassessment, it's... It's troubled, but he understands what he created. The planets, the worlds, the the races, the creatures, the the mm-hmm. military aspect of it. I think he gets it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes. Yes. As big as this is now, mm-hmm. and as many films and, and properties and books and video games and comic books and streaming and movies, like Star Wars is this immense world. How can you not have the grand designer or architect of all things Star Wars, just to help you through some of the questions that you may have from time to time. Just bounce some ideas off of him. Even if you don't like his answer, it can't help or can't hurt, but to have that voice in the room just to keep you from making monumental error after monumental error, which generally defaulted to everyone's a Skywalker, we're fucked, or let's just make them all a kid. That was their answer for the better part of 20 years. (laughs) Just make her a Skywalker. So we do went with just make her a Palpatine. Dude, that's the worst. How was that the default? The how the course correction of everyone hated the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. the fans. Mm-hmm. How do we fix this? Eh, make her a Palpatine. What? Okay, I'm gonna ask. And bring him back to life too. I want to ask you a question. Yes, because you've given me several. This is just a general Star Wars um, estimation or yeah. evaluation, I guess. As bad as the taste in your mouth for Star Wars is, and I think it's worse in mine than it is for you, but it's it's not favorable in either case. And yeah. we're both looking for a toothbrush. Yeah. Episode 10, I'm there opening night. Yeah, you better believe it. Okay, so <laughs> I probably am too. And I'm probably there with all my Haiti, get off my lawn. You know, the guys from the Muppets, the old man in the balcony. I'm one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Is last known, is, is Rogue One... A toothbrush, or is Rogue One more of the same shit that we've been eating that we haven't liked for you? I think Rogue One is mouthwash. I think it's, <laughs> it's somewhere in between. Something to like, kind of just clean the taste out of what's was bad in the past. It's some there's some good here to kind of tide us and hold us over. And I think I'm a little more positive on this film than that. Being said, there's some stuff in this film I actually do like. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, uh, but maybe yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> but. No, I agree with you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's also problematic in its, you know, its approach, how it's, like, been, again, my thesis of not well planned out. Okay, so then here's the follow-up question. Okay. Do you want, if we're going with the bad taste in your mouth versus a palate cleansing, do you want at this point in Star Wars 10 a really, really excellent toothbrush or do you want a gourmet meal? 
gourmet meal. So you want to keep going, just fucking fix it. You yeah. don't want to start all over. You want to keep going, just fucking make it delicious. Yeah. Really? Clean slate. Get rid of every character that we've ever seen before. New story. Oh, so you do want a toothbrush then. You want to brush it. You want a clean start. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where I am on that. You want a hard reboot of the Star Wars verse? I don't. Where do you go from here? Like I said, I need get every character that we've ever seen. And we got a, we got a new blood. We need a new director. And you're right. I think someone who understands story. You ain't getting Christopher Nolan to make one of these movies. So sayonara there. Yeah, no. But Danny Villanueva might give it a crack though. Maybe that I I'd be down for that. I would too. Someone that understands and you know what's great about a lot of the great filmmakers working today is they grew up with Star Wars, so they they love the property. If given the chance to do something unique with it, I'd be on board. I just I, like I would love to just see more tales. I mean, call it ten. Like I don't care. I don't need another one. Right? We don't need to go do the Anakin story again. We don't need to do the Luke story or the Ray story. Just go make me three films that are loose, uh, that are tied together, that have no ties to anything else that came before. Have Jedi, have the dark side, have the Force, but make new stuff, right? That's all I want. And then if you want to play, I think, with canon, mm -hmm. then choose stories in canon that people really wanted to see. There was an early, early rumor with Solo mm -hmm. that... If it was successful, which everybody thought it was going to be until everybody saw it opening night and word got out that it wasn't good. Well, then it had a very troubled production history too, yeah. That there was going to be the first of a three-arc trilogy. And the second arc mm -hmm. was supposed to be the introduction of him to the Huttese. Mm -hmm. That's the story we want. Yeah. That's the story we want. We want to see what did Han do for Jabba that gave him feet of clay and got him so indebted that Jabba would essentially trophyize him to send a warning to all of the other people. Because you know what? We're, here's here's the story, Jesse. You know what we're playing with now? Yeah. That's mafia. That's mafioso. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. another very different genre that is tried and true, just turned into a space western. Mm -hmm goes back to the point we made earlier. Dude, get me the Safty brothers to make a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Instead, Solo flops, yeah. and you get this. Boba Fett got relegated to a TV. Because there was going to be a Boba Fett film, Josh Trank, remember? Yep. Remember him? Yep. <laughs> well, and also it was going to be the guy that did um, Brick. Oh, Ryan Johnson? No, what? not no. Um, Dope. The guy who did Dope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had a shot. Mm -hmm. He had his name attached to Boba Fett for a while, too. If you do that Solo film that has the Huttese connections... Guess who naturally fits in it mm -hmm. in a way that matters, in a way that we see him? The bounty hunter as Merc for hire for Boba, or for Jabba, Boba Fett. Instead, again, I don't want to get too far off the path here because this is supposed to be about Rogue One, but it's a perplexing problem because in a lot of ways, they are Citizen Kane and Orson Welles to themselves. Sure. So successful that you'll never be able to replicate it ever. I don't care what you do. Yeah. And you cannot make everybody happy. So instead, you try to make everybody just okay. And every, no one leaves satisfied. Isn't that what Marvel's doing right Same now? Same thing. Exactly. Same thing. Leave them just okay. That's pretty well said, actually. All right. You ready for this? All right. So after the opening scene, we pick up with Jin or so in some sort of prison cell. Uh, she gets kind of taken out and then we're kind of introduced to a lot of characters, Cassie and Andor, uh, and then this Bodhi, uh, and we're kind of like, oh, how's this all fitting in? And, and, you know, they're mad at him because he's like a empire worker and he's trying to kind of, you know, flee, uh, 
And then we get that scene that I played at the beginning, which is Jen Erso being led to the Rebel Alliance. They know exactly who she is. She's going under some fake pseudonym or whatever. Uh, and they kind of say, uh, you know, this is what they're building. They're building a weapon of a planet-killing weapon. Your dad is somehow involved, probably made the dang thing. We need to find out, you know, we need to find him. Uh, let's start with Saw Gerrera. Uh, he raised you, right? What I do kind of like about this scene, you know, you know, the they're gonna, I guess, wipe all her, give her a clean slate, right? It kind of reminds me a little bit of Escape from New York, right? Mm-hmm. Here's this kind of mm-hmm. mercenary that is a little roguish. I guess the Rogue One of the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to play ball with you guys. Like you're not really my scene, but oh, we'll wipe your charges if you go do this very dangerous. So it's it's got a little carpenter lore here, right? Yeah. Uh, but then there's been kind of an addendum to the assignment for Cassie and Andor, uh, which is the second you see that guy, take take him out. So there's some interesting kind of push and pull there between these two characters. Of course, he's not going to tell his daughter, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill your dad the second I see him. Um, but now we got to kind of figure out, you know, you know, what's even going on in the first place? What is this Death Star? We haven't, we'll get that audio a little bit later. So we go to... Uh, I want to get my planet names right here. We go to what the frick. Uh, I'll find that planet name in a second. It's not written here, but it's Yavin Four. No, that's the Rebel Base. But this planet where they're mining the Kyber crystals, because oh, I guess God. the Kyber crystals are what power the oh, Death Star, God. dude. Why that? That seems a bit much. Oh, there's so much here. Okay, um, let's talk about this plan. I kind of like the battles that take place here because they do remind me, it's, you know, it's old stormtroopers on the ground. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of most Eisley Spaceport. And then, you know, we introduce here one of our favorites in a movie that uh, always ekes up a little bit more in my favorite films of the year, Mr. Donnie Yen. Let them pass in peace. The Force is with me, and I am with the Force. And I fear nothing for all this, as the Force wills it. Hey, stop right there. He's blind. Is he deaf? They said stop right there. Badass. How many blind characters is Donnie Yen going to play before he's all set? John Wick 4, baby. Um, yeah, John I love Wick it. Four is so good. I know. People, if you haven't seen it, well, first you got to see, I think you need to see probably the other, All of them. Th- the other three to kind of get acquainted with the world and the story. But man, the surprise, the four, the prowess of four and the, the fight scene, he's a blind man fighting, you know, a John Wick mm-hmm. in this ex- assassin guild. There's my little John Wick for promotion. <laughs> Why don't they make him a full Jedi? Well, it's because the Jedi are just all but extinct, right? I mean, we're we're got, we've got to feed into that lore. The only Jedi that we know in this film is mentioned off to the side in the audio. I'll play later, but yeah, if he pulls out, if he will, uh, essentially what Ashoka tells us is that she lived through the, this entire period, right, mm-hmm. under the cover of, mm-hmm. of the darkness. Mm-hmm. I guess this. I mean, I'm fine with it. I think he's pretty cool, and his yeah. little bow staff's awesome. But you yeah. know, if he, that I'm okay with that too. The Jedi are as about extinct in Star Wars as Transformers are in the Transformers series after Cybertron's been blown to bits a million times. They 15 more show up every new film. Yeah. I, that's a huge mistake. 
in Star Wars to say that the Jedi are extinct because you then lose your knights. Mm -hmm. Your knights serving the king. You lose them. You lose your samurai serving the Ronin. You lose them. I don't understand why, if they're extinct... Jedha is the name of the planet. Jedha. How do we not know that? (laughs) If you take them off of the table, then you either create an underground guild where they are all hanging out, you create outlaws, you create all of these things and accept, and what they defer to instead is the minuscule chance that maybe you'll find one Jedi that might be able to save you from the Empire. Okay, so I struggle with that because this guy, and later on in the film, clearly proves that he is in tune enough with the Force to walk down the middle of a a wide-open strip and not get blasted because the Force is protecting him. He's a Jedi. Just go ahead and make him a Jedi. Let him be a blind Jedi. Who cares? Just let it. That's even cooler. Yeah, it's awesome. A blind, as cool as a bow staff is. You know what's cool? Mm-hmm. A bow staff that turns into a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. That's even cooler. Yeah, like a huge mistake. Yeah, and I it, like that character. I'm I, not. I'm not hard on that. I like that. It's a bad writing choice. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's almost like the sam- the the Zadowichi samurai films. He was the blind swordsman. Yeah, so, yeah. You kind of do something with that here too. Here's my problem with Cassian Andor. Okay, our introduction <laughs> to Cassian Andor is in some back alley in the middle of I don't even care what planet we're on in whatever galaxy we are, where he's given some information about the creation of the Death Star from what seems to be his buddy. Yeah. And then as they begin to fight, because that's just what, I guess, aggro rebels do with each other, a stormtrooper comes down the alley to break up the fight, and then it becomes, can I see some identification, they blast these two stormtroopers, which now puts them immediately at odds with the other 50,000 stormtroopers that are in this little city. And what does Cassian Andor do, Jesse? He kills Takes his blaster yeah. and shoots his buddy in the back. Okay, so the reason this is important is because what you're showing is maybe this Cassian Andor is ruthless at best and a complete debaucherous scumbag at worst. My question for you is this. If that's not enough, which I would assume the guy he shot in the back is a rebel sympathizer. Mm -hmm. If that's not enough to get you kicked out of the rebel alliance, then what did Saw Guerrera do that was so overzealous (laughs) that they kicked him out of the rebel alliance and forced him to live like Lawrence Fishburne (laughs) As the Pigeon King in the gutters of John Wick. We're going to Applebee. What did he do? <laughs> that is bullshit writing. <laughs> and the point I want to make on this is if you choose to cast Mads Mikkelsen, and I love me some Forrest Whitaker, yeah. quietly one of the best careers in all of, of Hollywood. That guy's an absolute rock star. Yeah. If you choose to cast Mads Mikkelsen, mm-hmm. any bit that Saw Guerrero did in this film could have been carried out the same way by Mads Mikkelsen, who would be a featured character on whatever Imperial base he's working at after his wife gets shot with his daughter in tow, that he has to do this to protect her. Fully sympathizing in his heart with the Rebel Alliance, knowing that what he does is for the not good of the galaxy because the Empire's bad. Instead, she hides in a sewer with Saw and this group of weirdos 
that are sort of a third leg to the Rebel Alliance less proper. Yeah. That just muddles the script even more. And that's where I'm starting to like want to turn this off. Mm-hmm. Enough with the polluting of the story with all of these insequential characters, inconsequential characters. And here's the worst one yet. We mentioned Bodhi. The pilot mm-hmm. who has worked with Gavin Urso or whatever the hell his name is, Mads Mickelson or Daddy Urso. G- Galen. Galen Urso. Yeah. To escape with some knowledge, but not hard documentation about the Death Star. If Galen Urso, which I'm assuming he has to be tied into helping this rebel sympathizer, TIE fighter pilot escape, just leaves with, hey, I have a message. We should talk to this guy. That's also weak writing. Secondarily, don't you think pilots are badasses? can wield the gun and fight. Like, look what they did with Poe Dameron. Like, they pilots are badasses yeah. <laughs> until they get shot from behind and then uh, ah, they yeah. blow up, right? They chose... Porkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they chose the weakest, softest, unaggressive, unassuming loser to be a pilot. You know what makes better sense, Jesse? Yeah. Don't make Bodhi a pilot. Yeah. Make him a staff engineer. Yeah. So he's got knowledge of what the Death Star is instead. No, I thought that was a little no, terrible. No, I thought you were right because essentially Cassian and KS220 are, they're the ones flying the ship, right? What do you need Bodhi for? Yeah. Make him, don't make him a pilot. The make sc- him the, something the else. schematics guy. Dude. He, Thank you. Perfect. Is, yeah. Is he an engineer? The guy that knows how to build the tractor beam. I don't give a shit what. Somebody that under like that is not good fisticuffs with a with yeah. You're pretty pushing, good, you're but, pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> He's teasing me with the smugglers run on Millennial Falcon pushing the engineering button on the on the ride. Dink 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 dink. <laughs> I'm so good at that. I've done that fit ride ten times and that's all I've ever been. <laughs> we this this last year this last week, that's what engineer? I was again. Twice, Jesse. I can't even be the gunner, I'm the fucking engineer in the back. I think I've been pilot twice. God, you suck. <laughs> that's not good character development, and that's not well-structured to give yourself some opportunities that make sense in the story going forward. Yeah. No, I think that the Sagarera character here is... What did he do? What did that guy do? Yeah. Kill a bunch of babies? What did that guy do to get uh, kicked out of the Rebel Alliance if Cassian Andor is still part of it? Essentially, what, it, what he is, I mean, he's just like a gigantic breadcrumb because he just mm-hmm. he gets us from here to the next place where he works. Sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right, so we got to go this place. It's because we're padding the runtime, right? Because yeah, we go get the information there, and then that takes us here, and then that takes us to Scarif, right? The mm-hmm. the, the final the final place. Uh no, yeah, I'm 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 with you there. I wish I wish the roles were a little more a little bit more well defined. I mean, Sagar he may as well not even be in the movie, right? Uh, the action that takes place here, I think, is pretty well thought out. It's pretty well put together. Um, I, let me ask you a question about that because I'm confused on something here. Okay. Okay. So, on Jeddah, the place where we're essentially going to assemble, we're mining kyber crystals. Yeah, mining kyber crystals, and where we assemble Jen Urso's Rogue One team. Mm-hmm. The stormtroopers have been there for a long period of time. Yes, they didn't just show up that day. They've been there for a while. Yeah. What is the reason 
to blow up that stormtrooper transportation vehicle in the middle of the street at that particular moment. Did I miss something? I think it, as it does in a lot of things, everything just went tits up at that point, it right? Just, yeah, it went south and they just, fuck it, let's they go They start now. shooting, yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, the action's awesome. Yeah. We want to see blaster fights and that's what we're here for. Yeah. Isn't there a better way, and I'm not going to try to rock gut this out now, but isn't there a better way to structure that so they have a reason to do that? Well, yeah, and it could have been a little bit more a covert operation, like let's find Sagarera and just like let's not get captured to get to him, right? Or what if it's Sagarera, in order for you to pledge your fealty to him, mm-hmm. need you to help in the assistance of the hijacking of these kyber crystals because we need them for X and they want to use them for Y Death Star. So then... Dude, that's a lot of... Ki- uh, I was really... Who even cares about kyber crystals? Uh, the Empire. Does, so anyone... So the kyber crystal is an interesting little gem, I guess, in the Star It essentially is the a little rock that powers the lightsaber. lightsaber. It essentially is what illuminates it. Right. And the rite of passage of a Jedi is they go to the kyber crystal cave, pick their gem, and then build their own lightsaber, right? Oh, my God. Nerds. I'm out. <laughs> But for whatever reason, that's what's <laughs> powering the Death Star. Like, I thought that was a weird. Uh, I didn't remember that from my viewing in 2016. So that's what's powering the Death Star. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Uh, essentially, this, like, we got to assemble the team. We got to get there. And then we got to know where we're going. And then we leave it to Mads to kind of, this is what's going on here. I made myself indispensable. And all the while, I laid the groundwork for my revenge. We call it the Death Star. There is no better name, and the day is coming soon when it will be unleashed. I've placed a weakness deep within the system, a flaw so small and powerful they will never find it. But Jin, Jin, if you're listening, my beloved, so much of my life has been wasted. I try to think of you only in the moments when I'm strong because the pain of not having you with me, your mother, our family. The pain of that loss is so overwhelming, I risk failing even now. It's just so hard not to think of you. Think of where you are. My stardust. So, the reactor module, that's the key. That's the place I've laid my trap. It's well hidden and unstable. One blast to any part of it will destroy the entire station. You'll need the plans. The structural plans for the Death Star to find the reactor. I know there's a complete engineering archive in the data vault at the Citadel Tower on Scarif. Any pressurized explosion to the reactor module will set off a chain reaction that will destroy the entire station. It's too much. That's that is that's too much. That's too much. That's too long. That was three and a half minutes or whatever. That's too much. Just you know what I mean? Get in, get out. The bit about I miss my daughter, I love her. I like that. I, I do. I like that in theory too, but not there. That's too much. I built this. I love you. I'm regretful. Here's how you... Come on, man. Go, go, go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that scene because A, we got to get... We, I built this thing. This is how you... Dis- I mean, we're laying the foundation of the, the scrawl in, in episode four, right? How we got there, how we're going to steal the plan. So... To have a movie to do that, we it has to be a little bit more elaborate than just like, oh, they're just there on a table. Yeah, they're in an engineering archive on this planet. You got to get there. It's, you know, under the thing. And while it's happening, there's a great visual there of the Death Star kind of totally eclipsing 
the sun. I, yeah. I really like that. Oh, that's good. And something else, because, you know, they're going to show, they're going to do a test of the Death Star. And this was something I had forgotten because, you know, my Death Star knowledge is pointed at Alderaan and blow it to smithereens. Mm-hmm. I guess they can do a single reaction uh, droplet. Mm. Kind of cool and kind of mm-hmm. devastating. And, you know, I'm in this, you know, still in this Oppenheimer space, and I just rewatched it and kind of thinking of, like, the power of, you know, a weapon of mass destruction and what that does to people and, and civilization, right? Yeah. Kind of scary to see the Death Star slowly. I mean, if it wanted to, boom, done. But if we wanted to take the slow approach, and it's like a tidal wave of destruction, I really like that. And the Death Star just kind of illuminating off in the distance, right? Uh, The true power of this weapon. Because we want the Death Star to be scary, right? I mean, they've been building at the end of Revenge of the Sith. They're constructing it. And now it's finally complete, and this is the grand weapon of the Empire. And if we figure this thing out, no one can stop us. Right. The little plan that could. I think that's what's still getting me through at, at the end of the day is how important this little mission's going to be to essentially having four, five, and six even take place in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some okay stuff here. Dude, we finally, we kill Saw. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Would you, you'd probably been pretty upset if he was a part of the team, right? I just, yeah. Taking up space. With what you said, he doesn't need to be in the film. And there's lots of characters that, this is kind of getting to the end of the show now too, but I just find myself getting frustrated because what he did is to me, it stole the moments that could have been given to Mads Mikkelsen who matters infinitely more had anybody with any writing acumen and a shred of creativity come in and said, like, wait, get 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 that out of there. Get get him out of there. We got Tony Gilroy here, Matt. Well, Tony, <laughs> fuck you, Tony Gilroy. This is not a good script, in my opinion. There's lots of little, not even little, there's lots of medium-sized things that he could have done by just taking mm-hmm. a cleaver to some of the long, overwrought, over-introduced, under-delivered characters in this film. That's the problem with the middle of the film. I'll agree with you there is it kind of slogs in the middle here because after we leave this planet and they barely at the skin of their chinny-chin-chin get out of this this planet before it decimates. Yeah. Great visuals. Uh, yeah, now that we got to go to another planet and then that's where we're going to kill Mads Mikkelsen and then, you know, there's a rebel assault at the same time and then... You know, the Empire is dude, all over Ben Mendelsohn at this point. But, man, we got to address the elephant in the room. I'm curious to see how this played for you. I'm going to play the audio, and then we'll talk about it. You'll tell the Emperor as much. I will tell him that his patience with your misadventures has been rewarded with a weapon that will bring a swift end to the rebellion. And that that was only an inkling of its destructive potential. I will tell him that I will be taking control over the weapon I first spoke of years ago, effective immediately. We stand here amidst my achievement, not yours! I'm afraid the recent security breaches have laid bare your inadequacies as a military director. The breaches have been filled. Jeddah has been silenced. You think this pilot acted alone? He was dispatched from the installation on Edo. Galen Erso's facility. We'll see about this. Dude, I want to know a little bit more about Tarkin and why he's just, dude, Tarkin's an asshole. (laughs) Okay. 
You okay with Peter Cushing from Beyond the Grave coming back into this thing? Yeah, I'm not going to be one that says, well, he doesn't look like he's a normal human being. I'm not going to do that because they did the best they could, and I think it looks pretty damn good with what they were able to work with. Here's the thing, though. Hang on, you take that high road. I'm going to take in the low road of like... Okay. There's times when the the CGI... Hollow, huh? He looks... It looks pretty good when it's like in shadow, but then there's times I'm like, oh my, he looks like a piece of chewed bubble gum. And I'm just like, dude, what? Is it just bad for you with Carrie Fisher at the end too? It's a little... It's it's not great. It's just... It's almost at that point of just like, just recast the person. Dude, why... How come Ben Mendelsohn isn't playing Tarkin? Yeah. We just eliminate another character, and then he's playing a character we know and mm-hmm. learn a little bit more about. But I do like this. I'm not going to argue with that. I do like this backstage deal. Tarkin's just like, oh, you let this this uh, Bodhi cause all this mischief here. Well, the Emperor is going to find out about this, and I'm going to take over the Death Star Project. I kind of love all that drama. Mm-hmm. I do, too. <laughs> it's so petty. It's Empire-level petty drama, and I'm here for it. And you know what I will say? The militaristic element of the Empire has been riddled with that from the beginning. Yeah. Whether it's Vader choking out some sassy little mm-hmm. lieutenant colonel or whatever it might be. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. All these ambitious snakes trying to just one-up each other. And Hux is the worst and best at that at the same yeah. time. Domino Gleason, yeah. So, Tarkin to me was never given the fair due that I think he deserved. I, yeah. I always saw him because he looks the part, mm-hmm. right? The great late, the late great Peter Cushing, man. Mr. Van Helsing himself. Mm-hmm. Look, man, if you have Van Helsing, Peter Cushing, mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan Kenobi, Alec Guinness, you've got two <laughs> ancient stars I think, you know, showing up in this film that give the movie, I think, an aged gravity that I really, okay, this is, I just think you have different different views of this film. Mm-hmm. I really liked watching this interaction with Tarkin. He's a sleazeball. He is slimy. He's used car salesman like on crack. He is, he's a scum bucket. And I like that he's taking Krennic, 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 and trying to spin him out with his anger to make him mis- make these mistakes. Because you know what Ben Mendelsohn plays really well? Angry. Yeah. Did you see that show that they did um, where his family owns... Oh, Blood... Blood... Sport? No, Blood whatever. Stone. Did you see it? I, the Netflix one, yeah, with him and Kyle yeah. Chandler. Did you see it? A few episodes, yeah. Says he's SpaceX? hmm You gotta go, man. It's really good. Yeah, I liked what I saw. Yeah. Anyway, I like Ben Mendelsohn a lot, and I think that... He's really good as uh, he's really good as John Daggett in Dark Knight Rises. Yep. Just smarmy yep. businessman, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of playing a similar character here. Uh, I... Yes, the visuals on Tarkin can be a little. Oh gosh, you. They've gotten, look, but they're better. They've gotten better today. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm in this weird camp now. We're like AI technology, and we're recreating the dead now. Mm-hmm. Dude, Marlon Brando is gonna show up in some new Superman movie. You know it. Yeah. Uh, just recast them, dude. What's the big deal? It's just say uh, Tarkin, new actor. Dude, move on. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Is it really going to be that big of a difference if he looks different and we're just calling him a different name? We're doing that with Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. Come yeah. on, people. What's the time frame between this and New Hope? What do you mean? The years? Yeah. Two? One? Six months? Immediately? No. like but Kind of immediate, a right? A week? Right into this, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. Days? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're right there. Because they have to destroy the Death Star before it destroys everyone else. Tarkin's got like two days to live. <laughs> 
Do you like Tarkin as a character? Absolutely. Uh, I, that's why I said after the audio, I want to know uh, more about him. Yeah. I know Timothy Zahn did a run on him, like, in the expanded no- novel lore. Uh, to that guy. Why they haven't hired that guy to come in and script these stories is beyond me. I mean, he essentially scripted 7, 8, 9, and they just ignored it. But, no, like, that petty empire, because it's, it's... I didn't know he did that with Tarkin. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to read those. Have you read them? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I bet it's good. Yeah. I'm sure it is. That just petty empire because what's nice about it is it's humans interacting with humans there's they're not interacting with gleep glops or the force <laughs> or some pious jedi yeah it's just these guys are just like no you suck and i'm gonna take your job it's the same stuff that happens in regular business culture today the i mean roman republic usurping I, each other as they get the control of the army I, yes that might be my favorite scene of the movie honestly <laughs> actually no no that's that's pretty good though the, the vader slay down is my favorite scene yeah. but that's that's good stuff there it's just yeah the tarkin i mean we tried with jeff bridges and tron legacy and it's it's gotten better but i don't mm-hmm. know if it'll ever be good enough for us to not point bullshit on it okay and if it is i mean dude that's scary dude skynet <laughs> so we go to this planet cassie nandor has a change of heart this is why i wish there was more of a romantic subplot between them because i'm a little what in that instance makes him decide I'm not going to shoot him other than like maybe Jin is telling the truth that her dad did build in this fail safe. So there's that grapple there, but man, if there, if there's this like kind of thing between the two of them, they sell that moment for me a little bit more. He doesn't shoot her. Ben Mendelsohn shows up. The, the, the rebels show up. He's killed in the process. I think him and his daughter have a nice exchange there while he's dying out on the landing of, Never wanted this for you, or whatever the variation of that speech is there. But essentially, that kind of gets us back to the rebel base, where she's trying to sell them on, my dad built the failsafe, it's on Scarif, if we mount a rebel assault, and dude, Mon Mothma, and dude, Jimmy Smith's, dude, they got no time for this. Nope. Which is sucky, right? I mean, essentially, they're all going to play ball here in a little bit, but no one's giving her the time of day for this rebel operation. And I think this was the, the cool part about what the view for me was I had burned Oppenheimer in the morning and then I did. So oh, talk about dude, two you different. Know, I had film days yesterday. Yeah. You did Napoleon rogue one. I did Oppenheimer rogue one. And you know, I, the great thing about Oppenheimer is you're just, when you're watching that film, you're seeing these little moments that have such gravitational pull on actual history. Right. Mm-hmm. Deciding to push that button. Oh, man, we might blow ourselves up. Do it anyway, right? Uh, deciding which cities to drop that bomb. And I kind of felt that in this moment here of in the Star Wars universe, as bloated and as skywalkery and palpatine as it is, this moment of deciding we're going to band together to go do this, is this is the turning point of the Star Wars universe, this moment right here. So I thought that was really cool. Okay. Um I'll give you that. If they don't do that, then you're right. Then there's no story, right? So this is the inciting incident for the entire Star Wars saga. I guess so, yeah. Okay, to that. Mm -hmm. Nice catch, good. Yeah, so I kind of felt the gravity of that moment. Uh, But in between all that, there's a pretty cool scene that takes place here. Uh, I think in Mustafar, Invader's lava side Uh property. The weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience to make certain that he understands its remarkable potential. Its power to create problems has certainly been confirmed. A city destroyed, an imperial facility openly attacked, 
was Governor Tarkin suggested the test. You were not summoned here to grovel, Director Krennic. No, it's... There is no Death Star. The Senate has been informed that Jeddah was destroyed in a mining disaster. Yes, my lord. I expect you not to rest until you can assure the Emperor that Galen Erso has not compromised this weapon in any way. So I'm still in command? You'll speak to the Emperor about me. Hey, I love that the Emperor bought Vader this lava side property. Talk about some primo real estate where he was created, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the whatever weird priest goes and visits, does Vader have to be in that tank whenever he's not in the suit? It seems like it. Or he dies? It's pretty cool. It's cool and gross. It's just like those glimpses of Vader through the jelly of just like, yeah, that's just... An mm-hmm. unfortunate life this guy has to lead. And then what they're talking about, it's just the government lying to the people, right? It's yeah. just like, nah, it wasn't a weapon of mass. It wasn't uh it wasn't a nuclear bomb. It was eh, it was a mining mishap, dude. <laughs> Wag the dog. I love that. It's just it's just that kind of political undertones is I think where other than like the tech the, the taxation of trade routes, which is so stupid. Mm-hmm. This stuff really works for me. Like the politicalization of the Star Wars universe in the behind the, like we don't have to see it, but they're talking about it. I love I love those scenes. Uh is it a mistake having Vader in the I mean, we're trying to tell our own salt story and we 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 ragged on not having, you know, older characters in reference and too much fan service. But Vader here, what do we think? Yes. Yeah. Go. We need it. Yeah. He's he's in two scenes in the film, three maybe. I'm not I'm not stuck on this. Yeah. Uh, he 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 has a cool role. He's the Emperor's enforcer, right? Yeah. And I kind of like these. Like, yeah, don't call it the Death Star. I'm like, we don't know what this is gonna be. And then at the end, he's like, oh shit, I gotta I gotta take action. <laughs> Callbacks to previous <laughs> characters. As much as I've been hard on them, I want to be fair. I do think the use of Tarkin with anything having to do with the Death Star is essential to make me believe it. Mm -hmm. And then Vader is this military mastermind. Because I think that's the part of Vader that a lot of people miss. Mm -hmm. His manipulation of the Senate and his orchestrating a guise to hide the Empire's plans maybe through Palpatine's orders or with Palpatine's strategic guidance. I think that that's lost a lot on the lightsabers, the red lightsaber and the, the blocking the blasters and the force choke and, and his look, right. And the way, and just the iconic look. But I do think that that piece of Vader is one underplayed element in this, but not here. Yeah. Look, dude, if this gets out that what happened is the death star blew up Jetta, this thing's on life support. So you better find a way to cover it up. And then Krennic gets too ambitious. Invader lets him know exactly what the hierarchy of who's in charge is. And I love that he looks over his right shoulder and his hand is kind of, you know, not quite elevated above his head where we've seen him kill people before. So just enough to let Krennic know like, hey, daddy's still here, buddy. So 
Don't get spanked too hard. Hey, do you remember when we went to Disneyland and we took a picture with Vader and I did the force choke thing and the Disney suits told me to knock it off? Yeah. Dude, come on, dude. Kathleen Kennedy stopped me there. Yeah, knock it off. <laughs> Screw you. I'm not knocking it off. I paid a lot of money for these tickets. That's not family friendly enough. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you can't choke people in the Star Wars universe and it's a sexless universe. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> Screw them. So we get to Scarif, right? Um, I want to play the, this scene here. I, I, I want to know your barometer on what you think of, of all of this. Cargo shuttle, read back, please. What's going on out there? That ship's off limits. No one's supposed to be on board until further instructions. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, affirmative. That's an impounded Imperial ship. What's your call sign, pilot? Um, we have to go. It, it's, um... Rogue? Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Well, there is now. Rogue One. Pulling away. Pulling away. the others say, war is inevitable. Yes, I agree. I must return to Alderaan to inform my people that there will be no peace. We will need every advantage. Your friend, the Jedi. He served me well during the Clone Wars and has lived in hiding since the Emperor's purge. Yes, I will send for him. You will need someone you can trust. I would trust her with my life. Who's her? Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's like, well, dude, we're 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 knee deep in fan service at this moment. Like, oh my god, who are they talking about? Oh, it's Obi Wan, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kind of like, uh, but but that's uh, who I thought it was because I'd forgotten about that part, and I thought, oh, he's talking about Obi Wan, and then when he said her, I'm like, oh, yeah. you mean Leia? Well, yeah, they're gonna put the message together. Help me, Obi Wan. You're my only hope that she's gonna deliver to him, right? Yeah. So you do feel the gravity of. Time is of the essence for the rebels right now. Like, you better get your Jedi on the horn because if he's not on, I mean, he's a voice we at least need to have here. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's what's really great about Star Wars when you think about it in that nutshell is that that message is what's going to get to Luke. Luke is therefore the new hope of the Force, right? Right. That's the stuff I really like about Star Wars is everything is so kind of fade and predetermined and... If you didn't, if they didn't make that decision, then you know it. It all might go to hell, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke's the one that blows up this damn thing in the first place. Right. Everything has a purpose in this, especially in New Hope. Right. Everything's very preordained, and I, I really like that. The other thing, Rogue One, this team, when all said and done, when we defeat the Empire at the end of Jedi, hope you guys make a statue for these six people. <laughs> Start of the process. You would Jima statue for the Rogue One team because mm-hmm. this is going to be pretty crucial what they're about to do here. Yeah. So let's get to Scarif. I already set it up. The Barbados of the Star Wars universe. I love how colorful it is. I love the beaches here. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the 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 kind of you know the blowing up the antenna with you and then you know all the you know the stuff there with that. I kind of like everything that takes place here at this planet. I don't really have anything really to go into other than. You know, I wish, you know, yeah, Bodhi maybe had a little bit more of a role there than, like, the uplink of the the signal to get to Admiral Akbar's cousin, right? 
uh, I love Donnie Yen and his his little. We haven't talked about his little friend there, but he's kind of the muscle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like the 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 huge art- artillery guy, and then the clandestine uh, disguise operation with Jin Erso and and Cassie. And I, I kind of I'm, I'm I'm bored with all of this. And what I like about it is there's kind of a ticking time, uh, clock element with. A are they gonna get discovered? B here to come the rebels. They're, they got to close the gate. So there's a, we got to open the gate to even send the message, uh, and then we got a pretty cool space battle here too. What 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 do you think? Where 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 did you come in? You already mentioned your antenna problems, but what about the rest of it? And that doesn't ruin it. The antenna thing is just bad writing, mm-hmm. not not following, just not paying attention. Yeah, I think the action bit's really good. I do have a question for you. Okay, callbacks. Isn't this too indoor like? Minus the Ewoks for you. I like, gotta get like, this open so we can get the gate open so we can get this. If they don't, like, it's just I mean, it, a little ripped off to me. It's more of a reflection and less of a callback because it's it's so different. It's 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 less of having to blow up something and we're, I mean we're uploading something. I really like them climbing this data tower and you know KS twenties trying to like fend them off and give them enough time. Getting shot to pieces, yeah. Essentially sacrifices himself mm-hmm. to just you know buy them more time. You know what I like the most about it mm-hmm. is the exterior of the port yeah, and what the rebels do by driving that star destroyer into another star destroyer, which then a, a breaks hammer, a hammerhead is what they called it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Like I thought, okay, I hadn't seen that. I don't know if that little ship would be able to move a star destroyer, mm-hmm. but I'm buying it. And that was cool. The amount of destruction that that unleashed to open that gate. And that gate is cool because the whole planet is surrounded by essentially this force field that only has one entry point. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Endor should have had that. <laughs> right. Right. All of that stuff is really cool. Um, There's something really interesting too about watching classic uh, TIE fighters and classic or uh, X-Wings, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like the the prequel versions of the fighters or what they had in the resistance fighters and the first order fighter. I love that. And it, blink and you'll miss it. There's a couple uh, Death Star uh, fighter pilots in yep. these. There's, I think, two of them mm-hmm. that show up. Porkins, unfortunately. But there's there's two other Rebel fighters that show up here to... Biggs and... Um... No, no, not Biggs. It's it's like that like dark-haired English guy and then I think the, the gold leader. Well, they mentioned him by name, too, when they're getting called out to go support... They mentioned Biggs? G- no, not Biggs. I forget who the other one is. Um, Antilles? Antilles yeah. wedge, yeah. yeah, wedge, yeah. Um, so so they mentioned him. So yeah, that's cool. They do, yeah, some some fun stuff here. And I think the, the cool part about the initial viewing was I I didn't anticipate how closely this was going to lead into the next movie. It's essentially this movie ends, the next one began, dude. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Halloween two of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what death is, dude. How did we not get Donald Pleasance in a Star Wars movie? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so really hard on the film. This last so 30 minutes. 30 minutes. The action bit is fun enough to watch to where I'm not going to be like, oh, your antenna's destroyed, although I did do that. Yeah. You have to sort of take some. Yeah. I don't know. It's Star Wars. Liberties yeah. with yeah. physics and science fiction, right? Okay, so. And they get enough play. There's ADATs on the ground. So you got. Oh, like yeah, the, that's awesome. You got the ground forces stuff. You got like the in. The stealing of the plans under the Stardust label, which I thought was pretty clever from Mads Mikkelsen. This thing only his daughter would know, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you have the aerial assault. So it all culminates. They And then, dude, it's very ominous. You're just like, boom, Death Star just shows up on the outskirts of this planet. And you see it there in the horizon. And Tarkin's like, nah, we're done here. 
just blow up the planet. Like nothing's getting out of here. So they blow it up and the same, same thing happens, right? It's this kind of tidal wave of land, but they've uploaded the plants. To this, and everyone kind of had a... Fortunately, pl- Kinnick's on the on the planet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Krennic, <laughs> Tarkin loves that. Mm-hmm. But like Bodhi had to like get the word out to General uh, Ak- Admiral Akbar's cousin to even accept the transmission. And they just barely get it in the nick of time before everything goes to hell. Uh, and then we have the relay race through the corridors of the ship that's the rebel escape pod yeah the rebel is that called uh they call that a corvette uh, that's yeah very interesting verbiage for the hammerhead and the corvette Jin and cassie and die on the ship. It, it may as well be a mushroom cloud coming to get yeah. them very yeah. nuclear here but then we get i think the scene of scenes i don't think anyone that went to see this movie thought this was ever going to happen or if we'd ever see something like this i want to play the audio because man, dude, it gives me goosebumps to this day Vader shows up in this darkened corridor, lights up that red lightsaber, and dude makes mincemeat of these guys. Yep. And what's cool about it is like, you know, we, we used to see 1977 David Prowse Darth Vader who could like barely go this. Yeah. This Vader, dude, he, he grabs, I noticed, he like force catches a blaster and then shoots it back at the guy. Dude, badass. Stud. <laughs> it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want more of this, and that's what I really liked about Obi-Wan was, you know, Hayden Christensen got to play Vader again. You know, Vader had some kind of movement to him. He was the Dark Lord, Sith Mm -hmm. Lord, right, Mm -hmm. that we've all kind of heard about. What did you think of that? You know, take take yourself back to the theory you see. You loved it. You're just like, whoa. You realize, oh, man, Vader was a really, really potent bad guy. Mm -hmm. He's just tossing those guys in the quarter left and right, choking, breaking, blasting, blocking. Mm Mm-hmm. Slamming, <laughs> yeah. And then the guy that barely escapes gets the little key card, key card through the open door, and they are one step ahead of all hell behind them. Mm-hmm. I love that chase. Yeah. And Vader's just in a very Jason-like way. Oh, good. Just walking, mm-hmm. not running. Dude, just walking right he's after. Very him. Jason-like. Dude, yeah. is, he, is he Roy Jason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what I really liked about watching this last night is, you know, that scene happens, boom, onto the Rebel Corvette. Yep. They hand that thing to Princess Leia. Oh, this is hope. This is the hope we got. Boom, lightspeed. Boom, movie's over. Movie's over. In Get like out. a minute and a half, the end of this thing is just flies by. Mm-hmm. You don't even have time to digest what Vader just did. And then you have, and then yet, questionable CGI recreation. The one thing I did want to say about the Tarkin one that I failed to say was... Mm-hmm. uh. They somehow got the voice right. It sounds like Peter Cushing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if they had to take from other films that he was in to recreate his dialogue or what, what they used to do that, but that's impressive. Yeah. The face, questionable, but the voice, impeccable. And the same with Carrie Fisher, too. Sounds like 77 Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And boom, psh, light speed, movie's over. Whew, man, it's you, you don't almost have time to like kind of like 
fully enjoy everything. <laughs> Boy, done. Yeah, boom. Boom, the movie's over. <laughs> I like that. Get out. We know where it's going next, so get out. I think I do too. And then, you know, classic Star Wars staple. This is something I can appreciate, even with the Disney Plus shows when they do it. Although The Mandalorian does do what I also like, which is the concept art of the episode. Yeah. But dude, give me some blue text against mm-hmm. the, the space, right? I mean, that's Star Wars to me. And oh, the Obi-Wan show did that for every one of their episodes. So mm-hmm. that's the end of Rogue One. Did we miss anything? Probably, but we covered a lot too. <laughs> there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of ten, tangential uh, material. But uh, yeah, I, I, we just had to spend an hour talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Rant, How can you not? Ranting about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, we didn't even bring up any of the other kind of nuts and bolts of the franchise too. Yeah. But uh, the movie was successful when it came out. I think people went and saw this, really enjoyed it. And it was, I think they were really excited for the Disney tenure of Star Wars. And man, dude, it, it, it died real quickly. Mm-hmm. We got tired real quickly, which is a a shame. Like, if there was one show coming out per year and a movie coming out every two to three years, I think we'd be okay. I think we'd be that'd be like the right amount of Star Wars material Mm -hmm. coming into our eyes. But man, dude, they go the Marvel route and it's like they've slowed down on the movie front since Rise of Skywalker. But man, their shows cranking shows out, their plans of like what they're building up to. Yeah, what's next? Is there a movie on the horizon? Do you know? Well, I know Taika Waititi was tied to a movie. I don't yeah. know if that's still happening. I know Ryan Johnson was going to be making some movies. I don't know what's going on there, but... Um, oh, wasn't there a Palpatine story? No, there was a, there was a three-arc story coming, and only one of them was familiar character proper. I think yeah. it was Palpatine proper. Interesting, yeah. And the Ryan Johnson, I think, had attached his name to that. But that, that had to have been a couple years ago mm-hmm. now. I feel I like know. that all the Star Wars base hates that guy, and maybe he'll come up here again in our uh, in our nightcap. But mm-hmm. I love the risks that he took with that story. It was it was exactly what I needed as as far as course correction for the familiar. Sure, maybe we'll talk about it one day. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but for now, uh, what's your favorite tasting note of Rogue One, a Star Wars story? Remember me? My name's Darth Vader, and I kick a lot of ass. You played the sound. That's the moment that steals it. Unfortunately, though, that's not what the movie is about. Yeah. And that's a strike for and a strike against. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's definitely my... something we remember about the movie. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, I might go with that scene. I, I didn't realize it until talking about it, but that scene between Krennic and Tarkin, it's the stuff I like about Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. just that, that, that insignificant bickering because above them is the power of the Force and... Dude, the Emperor will just squash both these guys. He's sitting there shriveled up in his little whatever yep. at, at, back in Coruscant. He don't have time for that stuff. So this little in-between in squabble, dude, I'm here. I, I could use a whole movie of just that, those shenanigans, right? Yeah. Uh, give me a second here, but uh, what is the... Oh, my God! Moment of Rogue One. Aged Sog Guerrera. With his stupid hair, trying to rally whatever nonsensical argument to keep Jen safe at the end of the film. I just, I, I, I literally looked at Denise and went, are you kidding me? What are we doing? And I am a huge Forrest Whitaker fan. Yeah. It's absurd, terrible filmmaking. It's a bad character. It's bad. just bad. Not his fault. Bad, bad filmmaking. And then there's a lot of characters in this movie and his is just, it, you either have to be A, the 
the Yandu to Jen Erso, right? Or some political insurgent rebel de facto. And he's kind of neither, right? And the film doesn't have time to go into him because the film's not about him. So they kill him off and it's just done, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh my God, for me, you know what? Supreme Power of the Death Star, when it wants to be little, dude, this thing can just destroy planets Mm -hmm. beautifully. And, you know, much like that scene in Oppenheimer, the Trinity test where it's silent, beautiful firestorm, and then you're slammed with that colossal aftershock of the sound the horror of what you just a done. weapon right yeah you kind of get that with the the power of the desert and you get to see it a couple times in this movie and i really like that um and you know what i really like too is the assembly of the death star gun like into place against the backdrop of like the simple star stories and you see how big this thing is compared to them mm-hmm. i really i just really like classic star wars ships yeah so seeing the the, the classic stuff i i I'm I'm here for that all, all all the times. Good. Who's the master distiller on Rogue One: A Star Wars Story? I might go with Ben Mendelsohn. I think he handles that character really well. I think he's angry and petty and bitter and all of the things that I would expect an ambitious architect who really doesn't understand the design but just trying to monetize the success of an unyet fulfilled promise. Um that scene when he kind of goes to Vader and says, hey, I can expect you to tell the Emperor the truth about this, right? Like, I'm the guy behind this. Because he wants an audience, right? Well, he's pretty ballsy. <laughs> Dude, um, I'm not doing that against Vader. And kind of stupid because he really doesn't have the chops to even defeat Jin and, and uh, mm-hmm. um, Cassian. Yeah. So to take that sort of stance against Vader speaks to the ignorance and the hubris of him. I think he's really well done, and I'm a big, big, big Ben Mendelsohn villain fan. Me too. Uh, I'm going to give this, this can be interesting to the director, Gareth Edwards, because I don't think this is an easy directorial job. You're no given the task to do a standalone Star Wars film. Okay. That's never been done before ever. Right. You kind of have to do extensive reshoots. And we watched the trailer, right? The teaser, which has a lot of footage that isn't in the movie, which I want to see how does that fit? Or is it just different? I think he does a pretty good directorial job. It's it it seems fan servicey enough, but it does feel like its own beast. It doesn't feel like a George Lucas or a J.J. Abrams or an Irvin Kershner Star Wars film. It feels like this interesting side chapter of the Star Wars universe. And to him, to his credit, and dude, we could be hard on that guy too because I know you're not fun to, fond of the Brian Cranston Godzilla that he turned out. So. No, I'm not. But you don't I, like it either. I like some of. I like portions of it i i don't i was so excited to see that and it kind of left me a little lukewarm i kind i i definitely like it more than what came after that oh, that's yeah. for sure yeah and i didn't see i was curious about the creator the one he did with john david washington that came out this year so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna check that out but um it's an interesting sci-fi voice uh those are three uh a speck a godzilla and a star wars holy crap <laughs> yeah Give him credit for that. Yeah, sure. How are you going to rate and grade Rogue One a Star Wars story? We have Rocket, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Tippy Top Shelf. The last 25 minutes save it for me. Also, I want you to rank this rank, 10 cup. Rank the 10 cup straight right. All right, let's do the movie first. The last 25 minutes saved it for me from Well to probably like Call, Call Minus. Um, I think it's just an average film. 
I expect more from Star Wars than just average, and that's my own problem. That's mm. n- that's not the film's problem. That's my own problem. I I, I don't want to watch this again. Um, if it's on, I probably will find anything else to watch. Um, it's troubled. There's a lot of flaws. I, honestly, I think the story for what should be really simple is fucking stupid. I think it's a terrible, terrible story that they blew. They do execute some pieces pretty well. Vader saves at the last 20 minutes are pretty good. The action bit finally makes sense. Uh, I'm not a Cassian Andor fan. I don't really think Jen Erso is a great protag. There's a lot of problems, and we've laid them out for the last two hours. But that being said, it's some of the best 20 minutes in all of Star Wars that's ever been done. And that's saying something because you're eight films in. Yeah. So that that matters. I don't go to Star Wars for complex plot. I go because I like TIE fighters and blasters and what the force does. And I'm going to stick to that Yeah. because that's what made me love it as a kid. So call, but yeah. barely. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, call. Yeah. But barely. A troubling rewatch for you, right? Indeed. It's happened a couple of times with you on this podcast where it's like something you really liked and it's like, whoa. Now I also we- wonder what would have happened if I hadn't spent three hours with Napoleon before this. <laughs> I think- I'm, it might have, it might have, and I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging that. Yeah. But that's, that how I saw it. I, I mean, saw that's it hard way. when you're watching two and a half hour, 240 of, you know, dry Ridley Scott biopic. And, and then I watched the Islanders for two and a half hours. Oh, no. Go Islanders, they won, so yeah. it put me in a good mood. Okay. And then I watched this. and I Yeah, yeah you're in a different space. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, you're like, I, I, how you interpret a movie on a given day, I think, honestly, the external factors, I think, have a lot to do with it sometimes. Oh, for sure. So maybe don't write off Rogue One just yet. Maybe we'll give it another chance under the right circumstances. But, yeah, no, I feel you there. It just, yeah, it has stuff in there. I'll, I'll go... Call plus single barrel minus. I think it's single barrel in the fact that it's 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 it, it's an, a unique Star Wars experiment, and we saw how it, it went with Solo, colossal disaster in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, where I think a lot of stuff works, there's some questionable things. The Tarkin stuff, the 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 look of it is you know whatever. Um, but I'm pretty, I was pretty entertained, and then yeah, what you're right. Once that last thirty minutes kicks in, I'm like, I'm in. Um, I wish it was a little more kind of heisty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish the characters kind of played into their roles a little bit more. Yep. But I love that they they try and do some new things with the universe and then bring back some old stuff that really works, the Vader stuff, right? Um, yeah, we didn't have to have like a scene in this thing where like the we went and visited the Emperor or like extended scenes with Princess Light. We didn't have to do that. I mean, Jimmy Smith is here, but for a moment, right? Uh but I think it's still pretty good. I had a good time watching it back in 2016, and I was pretty okay with it now. Uh, and I think mainly me, as opposed to you, I think I'm, I'm grasping at those Star Wars straws, right? Give me something that is even remotely palatable because what I've had in the last five-plus years is questionable at best. The bottle. Yeah, the bottle. Uh, Call plus for me. I think so, uh, too. I mean, for a rye, I mean, it's it's a very palatable rye. It's not going to burn you. Uh Again, as I tell most people how I pick whiskeys, the bottle design. So it's kind of like this octagonal bottle. So the tin cup style. So they make every one of their whiskeys is this style. But then this is essentially a shot glass. Mm-hmm. And then that's your your cover on top of it with your own kind of cork stopper. Pretty cool. Really cool. What about you? Yeah, I love it. It was re- Plus, it was really tasty. Um, I think the Basil Hayden rye that's that 
amber sort of um, like the, the scorched mar- looking the mar- label. The maroon one? That one is probably my favorite rye that we had, but this is really close. This is a very good bottle. Nice choice. This is pretty good. I, we did a pretty big, or at least I did, I, and I know this for a fact because <laughs> after the X-Men episode, dude, I was... Loaded? I was done for like the rest of the day. I like I, I had like a headache later. <laughs> we drink a lot. Yeah, no, dude, but... Dude, X-Men was hot. I couldn't stop talking about how, you know, great the plights of Magneto were. So I just kept going. So there you have it. I think that's a pretty good uh, price-wise, $42.39, I think. So check it out. I bet you can find that at most most liquor stores. So This bottle won't survive the next show, so I'll I'll bring the next bottle next week. Sounds like a deal. Let's wrap this up with our nightcap. Okay, so we've talked about this. We've danced around it all episode long. Let's do it. This is the top three biggest or wasted Star Wars characters in the saga. That's anything you want to go. Top three. Biggest waste never delivered jokes. Boy, there's a lot to choose from here. I know. Number three for me, uh, I know he's showing up on your list. I won't go into too much detail because I'll let you take that thunder. Uh, Boba Fett for me. Uh, the, the, the show they did, man, mm-hmm. left a super rotten taste in my mouth because it essentially became, it was essentially the Mandalorian season three and Luke and Ashoka and the Mandalorian showed up and that story was just so stupid and boring. I think what, where Boba Fett works for me is in the, the, so maybe this is, you know, I don't know, maybe this is an oxymoron with my pick because where he works is in the mysterious aspects of the character. But if we expand on it, then that goes away, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's wasted, and I think how cool he is. Do a cool story with him, but tell me nothing about him. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a bounty hunter mission with Boba Fett and nothing else. I don't need to know where he came from, where he's from, what he's trying to do. He's just trying to get a guy. Yep. That's all I need. Um, the His bits in Empire and then, dude, his pathetic demise in Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bit of a wasted opportunity, but... They expanded on him, and it was a disaster, so where am I, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all fair. Number three for me, Snoke. About the time we saw how cool he looked and how wicked he looked and how almost Palpatine-like he was was about the moment he was dead. What a waste. Why even bother? I think about that, and it's part of why I like The Last Jedi, which was here's this character that they built up and they, they just do away with like that kind of saying, he doesn't he doesn't fucking matter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the risk of the Ryan Johnson that I like. Uh, I think force awakens, you know, teased me out on like, who is this guy? But what made me not put him on my list was he did feel a little too, he wasn't too, a little bit too much like Pal. What was he going to be at the end of the day? He was going to be another Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Is that what you expected? So I, I don't know. I think it was a waste in, you know, where they could have maybe taken it in terms of new material, but on the surface, I interpret him as like, oh, they're just going to do Palpatine again. Yeah, but Ren's kind of Vader again. Yeah. So, and I, I'm with you on the Ryan Johnson be aggressive in how you want to tell the story. I just, sleight of hand, lightsaber through the torso. I, okay. Um, 
th- that's number three for me. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I wanted him to be cooler or if there was room for him to be cooler or if they had me so ready, appetized for yeah. a throwback to where I would get a Palpatine and kind of a resurgence of what we saw. And maybe that's what it was. And none of that played out. So you're, you're right, though. What were you going to do with him? Yeah, I think I'm curious as to how he learned the powers of the dark side. Like, where did that intelligence come from? Because it has to come from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Was he a Palpatine student? Like, oh, my God. That makes no. my skin crawl. Yeah. Um, but I will be honest about this. I'd rather have a Snoke in the Rise of Skywalker than the ghost and husk oh, yeah. and shrill of a Palpatine mm-hmm. of what was going on there. Yeah. But he's a perplexing character. And I think that the moment you brought up, I think, is the moment that broke the Star Wars fans, which was... You set up this guy and then you just did away with him, but that's why I like the movie. So number two, number two for me, Finn from the sequel trilogy, John Boyega. I think they had a lot of plans for him, and then mm-hmm. oh, you know we'll bring Ryan Johnson up again. Wasn't terribly important in his plans, which again I don't know what the longevity of those plans are, other than being like a Han Solo stand-in. Yeah. Uh, I think Ryan Johnson really understood Ray and Kylo Ren, which. Good. They're the crux of that story, right? But then he's just kind of an a bit player. And then by the time we get to Rise of Skywalker, I mean, it's just, it's over at that point. And John Boyega has a lot of negative things to say about the those latter films that they, di- they didn't know how to utilize him. And you know, I, I agree with you, dude, but um, I think there was a little bit more. Like, this rogue stormtrooper, right? Like, how did he even get there in the first place? Um, you know, I want to know a little bit more about Poe Dameron, too. But, you know, I think Finn, I think there's a little bit more story that could have been told there. Yeah, neither one of those two guys are going to make my list, but it is fair. I think they both mirror each other, and they both just get punted on in the third film, and somehow Laura Dern shows up and steals more screen time than anybody. Do the uh, hold them maneuver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. Like your second choice. My number two, Captain Phasma. What happened there? This was supposed to be the stormtrooper that wasn't militaristic, strategic, yeah. not a clone. And they blasted her off the side of a ledge. I'm like, she can't be dead. And she was dead. And that was the end of Dude, it. Dude, it's another Ryan Johnson casualty. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake, though. You can't have the leader, the titular leader of stormtroopers with some ability to produce results and just blow her away. Um, that I, Every time I see the end of her, I think that's caught in rewrite mishap yeah. they that could not have been the final plan for her couldn't have been and totally wasted by that and you know what's funny about that too at that time there were a couple of star wars properties that are into that were really really building up the cower the power of captain phasma and really showcasing well, there, what was that a, there was a lot was. of stuff like there was that and then the the, the kylo knights of ren right yeah. his little army it kind of goes no mention. They, well, they show up in Rise of Skywalker, but sort of again, the ballsy nature of Ryan Johnson to say this it this is it's the, it's part of the story. It isn't the story. This is the story, and we got to move it away from like what you're familiar with. We got to do Last Jedi one of these days. Yeah, but then that's all. That's you're absolutely right. And then my question is, why even give them the screen time? Just stick to the story, then. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's where it gets. That's where the fans get you know pretty muddled. And then that's where I, I I take chagrin to you know Kennedy and the powers that be. That how did you guys not eat, if you were so? And then the backlash of all that. Why didn't you guys like pre-plan it a little bit better? Mm-hmm. 
But then I also, at the same time, I was like, dude, you guys gave Ryan Johnson an inch and he took a mile, dude. And I, I love that. I love I love that in studio filmmaking. Dude, Kevin Feige is never letting any director do that, right? God, we might we might really want to do that film. Mm-hmm. Number two for you. Number know, one that, for you. Yeah, number one for me. Uh, you know, there's an obvious choice here. Uh, it's Darth Maul. And, you know, he's such a cool-looking villain and... I think it is a bit of a mistake to kill him off in Phantom Menace and maybe keep him around for at least another film to just let him just be a badass. I mean, he's one of the highlights of the Phantom Menace. But mine, just because of the actor that you placed in this role, I'm going to go Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, played by Liam Neeson. Maybe don't kill him off in the Phantom Menace, keep him around for another film, and then let Obi-Wan take the reins on the training of Anakin. Uh, and then you kind of got a botched training with two different ideologies, right? And then and then you get Liam Neeson for one more film, right? And there's a lot going on with Qui-Gon where he's very much the Saw Gerrera of the Jedi Council where he's very rogue in his own regard. And I want a little bit more there with his character too. That's very fair. Uh, and you got, then you have a weird unholy tri- trinity between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Anakin, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the real... Golden Problem. golden boy. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. He was wasted. Yeah. And along that, so was Darth Maul. Yeah. But that one's almost beat to death too much where we don't even want to bring it up. Dude, he came back with robot legs and <laughs> Yeah. Running the Huttese clan. Dude, what is going on in that movie? I, who knows? Maybe that should be my least ranked Star Wars mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Rise of Skywalker is pretty bad. Number one, you said it, it's Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. What a waste of a character. That is my number one most wasted character in all of popular fiction. Terrible, terrible, terrible decisions made with him in Rise of the Jedi. So excited when they gave him Book of Boba, and it made it worse. <laughs> it made it worse. I don't know. Maybe he's just not that cool. Maybe that's maybe that's the truth. He's I, just not that cool. That was kind of such a cool time period, too. We were, we were so geeky around that time where, like, The Mandalorian was airing once a week, and we we're like, oh, my God, like, think Boba Fett's going to show up this week like they're they're alluding to it. and then he did and we're just like oh yeah and then they gave him his own show and you're just like oh dear god mm-hmm. that scene of him crawling out of the sarlacc I mean I I know it needed to happen to make the story happen but like I didn't need it <laughs> just huge miss they watered down his character a lot and then like I said his show essentially became two seasons of two other shows yeah that was a real simple story he's commissioned to track down a bunch of people and we watch him go to all ends of the galaxy to find these bad guys mm-hmm. simple story yeah. and they couldn't do it yeah shocker Dude, two hours on star wars never Woo! thought it, never thought it would happen but hey guess what it did it did uh but we're gonna wrap up prequel talk here next week with a new release uh it's a big film we got c- coming out here. It's a franchise Matt and I have talked about both on mic and on the podcast for years now. And we're going to tackle its little interesting prequel entry. We're talk about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, this should be interesting, right? How Snow Broke Bad, right? I mean, why did he get so jaded in the first place and have such a discontent for District 12, right? But this is going to be an interesting talk because we're going to talk about those other movies, which I like some of those. Dude, and Mockingjay can go suck it, right, dude? Yeah, yeah. That is just the worst conclusion to, like, a really great start that in, in the last few years that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about this new tale. Um, yeah, it'll be good to talk about a, a new movie coming out because we're not going to talk about Napoleon, I guess. We're not doing Napoleon. Uh-uh. 
Uh, but yeah, we got that coming around the corner. We'll wrap up prequel talk and then we'll, we'll do, we're going to do a fun thing here for the holidays. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all we have for today. So until then, Hey man, I got to go steal the plans for this barbecue recipe I've been wanting to make. Uh, are, are you in, we need to assemble a team, right? Yeah, I've got three buddies down the road that own their own little individual, true story, barbecue joints. And maybe we can put them together and we can take the best of what they have with the recipe we steal and build the perfect recipe. All right. Sounds good. I hope that bubblegum Tarkin don't show up. (laughs) We'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or if you listen to podcasts, and be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is property of Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures and Lucasfilm Limited, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Your Highness, the transmission we received. What is it they've sent us? Help.